Hey there everybody, we don't have a cold opening this week, uh, just a heads up. Uh, at the end of our week segment, uh, we transitioned from uh, Kai's week to talking about the PS5 reveal event, and you're also planning on talking about the PC uh, gamer event, but that ran really long, and also in the intro I mentioned that we're going to do a, uh, a, a uh, Saturday morning pitch, but we just didn't have time uh and leaving the ps5 discussion in would actually make the show run way too long so uh we're cutting it out uh and rather than put it at the end like a spoiler cast like we did for scoob what i'm instead going to do is uh next week me kai and our guest this week uh, radical apollo uh we are gonna reconvene and we're gonna play around a Saturday morning pitch and we're gonna talk about the PC gamer event and maybe there'll be a Microsoft or a Devolver Digital event between then and then between now and then uh in which case we'll talk about those too uh or maybe a Ubisoft event. you know it's E3 time there's no E3 so people are doing their digital things so we'll talk about it and then we'll release it uh, not, not today, but the following Monday when there normally wouldn't be an episode as a bonus. So... Alvin, you've disgraced me for the last time. <laughs> it's just like Gary Cooper, huh? I think the cartoon just started. Welcome to Acme Podcast Incorporated. I'm your host, Laser J, and with me as always is... It's Kai. Hey, everybody. And today, we have a special guest. I guess that's my time to get in here. It is me, Rad, Radical Apollo, Radical Apologist, if you're really old and know me from back then. But you can call me Rad. Or Zach. I don't know. It's fine either way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Rad is a mutual friend, and we like his energy. We wanted yes. him, we've wanted him on the show for a while. Yeah. So, uh, and what are we uh, talking? What are we talking about this week, Laser? Yeah, this week we're talking about. Uh, as always, we're going to talk about our weeks. Uh, there's no upkeep this week because everything that we would be watching is still on mid-season break, so. That'll cut down the showtime a little bit. And then we're getting into our topics for this week, which is, well, I, uh, we, well, okay. Last episode, we talked about Slayers and Dungeons and Dragons. And then I got in my head while we were recording that show, there's three weeks in that we'll have episodes in June. Mm-hmm. We can do three episodes on different types of fantasy so we did high fantasy last week this week it's urban fantasy and for that we're hitting door Hedoro season one and uh kekai sensen also known as blood blockade battlefront also season uh, one se- yep also season one uh 
so that that covers our urban fantasy needs. And they have me here because both of these shows are honestly some of my fucking favorite, like, in general media that I have consumed. Mm-hmm. Yep. So welcome to the retroactively named Fantasy Month I tried on, Acme, on Acme Podcast Incorporated. I do want to say one thing before we get into the show. Well, two things, actually. All right. Two very important things that I think are very relevant at this moment in time. Well, pitter-fatter. Black Lives Matter. Fuck the cops. <laughs> Both true. Yeah. As as the local black man, I can say, and as of, uh, like, two episodes ago, y'all were saying that you were not qualified to, to take into account some of the things like how uh for example if uh killer shark is a black nerd kind of allegory kind of thing oh. now you have me i'm here yeah and i can fill that void of not knowing if you are qualified because <laughs> i am uh maybe we should uh we should Maybe for February we should do uh, cartoons of like with like a mainly black cast or starring black characters for black history. Well, I'm going to be bringing up something with one of those oh. in my week. Well, so all right. Well, it's a perfect uh, transition. Yeah, let's get at her. How was your week, Brad? Yeah, my week was pretty dope, all things considered. Um, so. There's a couple of things I've been doing for the past little while now. One of those, I'm going to leave the the cartoon talk for a second. But one of the things that I've done for the past little while now is I've been playing Monster Hunter World Iceborne yeah. a lot. Mm. Um, I have somewhat recently, in the past week... Uh, beaten the main campaign stuff and gotten into the post-game stuff, and um, I will save the ins the like excruciating details of all of it. But in previous Monster Hunter games, there was like a kind of straightforward way that things worked, in that there were lots of monsters. And it's like in the post game, more monsters show up or harder difficulties or whatever. And in this case, the harder difficulty post game stuff for Monster Hunter World was put into Iceborne. And then further post game stuff happens after Iceborne. And they've decided to make it more complicated, but in a way that I'm a little divided on. Um, previously, the way that it worked is you would go out and you would fight the monsters that you want to fight to get your better armor. And that's cool. And you can still do that. And there's a lot of new monsters that show up post-campaign uh, stuff that have really good armor and really good effects and really good weapons and all that cool shit. They have added a new level of complexity to that in that there is a new area called the Guiding Lands. Hmm. And the Guiding Lands is 
basically this open area where all of the biomes from around the game are smashed together and all of the monsters that have appeared throughout the game, except for a couple of major boss monsters, will show up at the same time. Oh, so it's kind of like the uh, Elder's Recess, but for all monsters. Yes. And in this case, uh, when you go to the Guiding Lands, the monsters have a new, a new kind of exclusive pool of items that they will drop and get carved out and everything. Because then you can take those items to the uh, shopkeep and augment your uh, existing items to be stronger and have special effects. There was an augmentation system in base world, but they've both streamlined and advanced it further. Um, there's several other uh, post-game things that I haven't quite gotten to yet. There is a monster uh, called Safi Jiva, who is um, basically the adult version of the previous uh like the oh Zenovagia. of uh Zenojiva, yes um is that the which big... was the previous boss which was just a big fucking alien dragon yeah isn't uh that one it looks i've seen that dragon it's like that's the we say that rathalos and fatalis are the most dragon looking mad dragons ever that that dragon that's just a dragon yeah, yeah, Fate, like, Fatalis is super just a dragon, but, like, Safi Jiva is the most just a dragon that has ever existed in Monster Hunter. He it's kind of like, ridiculous. He just looks like smog. <laughs> but the thing about Safi Jiva is that uh, Safi Jiva has uh, his own set of weapons, as as it typically goes. Mm-hmm. But Safiva also has like kind of a randomized weapon thing going on. Like there's a bunch of different weapons for each type of weapon in the game. There's fourteen um, base weapons, and he has like three of each, uh, three or four of each that all have different um, stats and attributes and whatnot. And um, it has come to my attention that the Safi Jifa weapons are the meta now. Oh. Because you can like how you can augment the weapons uh, post-game, you can also augment those, but only by fighting Safi Jiva, and um, those weapons are A, pretty much the strongest weapons in the game uh, aside from a couple of them. Um a couple of post-Safi Jiva uh, monsters like Raging Brachidios and uh, Furious Rajang. Mm. But the main thing is that, like, it's all a bunch of wild bullshit and they kind of all look like the Soul Edge from... Uh, Soul Calibur. Oh yeah, I've seen the big eyeball weapons. 
Oh, yeah. They have two stages. If you get one just, like, raw, it's asleep. Oh. And once you level up your weapon to 15, because you level up your weapon in, in these cases, once you level it up to 15, it awakens, and gi- giant evil-ass eyes pop out of it, and fucking thruster energy is shooting out from it, and they're fucking evil, and so horrible much. and i love them yeah oh is zavajiva the uh the dragon with the jets no no no, no. that's that a, is no. um val something from generations valtrax valtrax, valtrax. Oh, yeah he, valtrax was from generations okay okay never mind yeah he was the rocket dragon uh elder, he was an elder dragon i think and he was the the, yes. the elder dragon they added when generations 2 slash monster hunter at double X came out. Yeah, okay. Generations Ultimates. Yeah, Generations Ultimate. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I've been going through that very uh, steadily with my fiance Kaylee, um, and it's been a really fun time, uh, especially trying very hard to beat. Um, Raging Bracadios when I was not ready to fight Raging Bracadios mm. at all. Yeah. That boy is mad! Big mad. Power geysers all over the place. Uh. But that's that's basically it on, on Monster Hunter. I've been plugging away at it for a little while now. But what I can talk about in great detail is that last week... A collection of episodes from a series that is very dear to me called Craig of the Creek. Ah, oh, hell yeah. Now, Craig of the Creek is legitimately, I think, my favorite Western cartoon of the past decade, with it being swiftly followed by... Uh, Steven Universe, and I haven't finished it yet, but I'm probably going to put uh, She-Ra up there in the uh, same yeah. uh, same vein. I was going to ask that about the... Gravity Falls, honestly. Gravity Falls is, like, really up there, but it doesn't hit the same way as, like, those shows for me. Yeah. Because, like, when I think about the shows that I am really invested in, it's the ones that have, like, not to say that Gravity Falls doesn't have a whole lot of heart behind it, because it definitely does. But, like, I am very much there for shows that catch me on an emotional level. And mm-hmm. I feel like Trek of the Creek really does that for a lot of different reasons. First, it is a show about a black kid and his friends just enjoying life and like living it out and like it explores some themes here and there about growing up black and like your parents being like several generations in and everything and like the last few episodes that came out were really really fun um the first one in the line was a musical episode about 
Craig imagining an adventure in the creek because actually let me let me run things back I, a little I, bit. I, I've got the list of the recent episodes here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know Laser has been keeping up with that show. I haven't watched it yet, it, but, but Laser it, has been it's one of his shows that he watches. It's uh my favorite current airing cartoon. Yeah, I can I can feel that very, yeah. very well. Um let me run things back. I don't know um I don't remember if uh Craig of the Creek was brought up on uh the show yet or very often we we haven't actually gotten we actually haven't watched it for the show but laser mm. has mentioned it once or twice because he watches it like it's one of the shows he keeps up with so he he, he mentions yeah. oh yeah i caught up i'm watched the recent episodes of craig of the creek whatever and yeah. i i haven't watched it at all so i i purposefully avoid talking about it too much because i definitely want to do episodes on this show yeah yeah about sure. craig of the creek for sure for sure that's fair we don't I can understand that very well. Yeah, but I, it's your week, so get into it. Yeah, you don't have to go into too much, too much yeah. detail. Yeah, I'm not going to go into too much much detail, but um, basically, is a show that resol- revolves around uh, Craig, his uh, and his best friends, uh, JP, uh, Kelsey, and her bird Mortimer. And uh, do not misunderstand that Mortimer is, in fact, a very important character. Mortimer is the fourth main character. Don't yeah. misunderstand. Hmm. He puts in work. Hmm. Yeah. This... Now, you may think JP is the, the comic relief, but Mortimer brings a lot to the table in that regard, too. Honestly, all of them are kind of comic relief. They're all you... yeah. very good kids. They are. But... It revolves around them going to the aforementioned creek where all the kids hang out every day um, before dinner, after school, during the entire day if it's summer, which this is primarily when it takes place in. It's kind of the nebulous summer zone like the yeah. majority of uh, Ed and Nettie stays in. Yeah, Ed and Nettie stays or in. Sandlot. I was under the impression that it takes place after school. It kind of depends, I think, because like some episodes there, there's do. a lot of episodes that are just kind of like we're here all day. It doesn't, yeah, yeah. it doesn't stop being a thing that we're here all day. Yeah, but like the majority of of it, I think, could be uh, construed as like during or after um, school hours, one way or yeah. another. Because I know there's definitely parts where uh, Craig's older brother is talking about things going on in school at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, like, Craig's whole family gets into a lot of stuff, but, like, it's it's all, it's all, like, surrounding those main four characters and the cast of characters around them. If you've ever watched anything like Ed and Nettie, or probably the most concrete way that I can like compare it to something of older uh, ilk is probably recess because yes. there are there are like clicks like there are in recess in this series that are very tight-knit yeah. and they have themes and they 
got gimmicks and all that kind of thing. It's more than just that, though. It's a it's one of my favorite things that you see in cartoons every so often, and it's a kid society. Yes. Yeah. It it gave it gave, from what I saw it gave me it also gave me like a combination of a more lighthearted uh, Stand by Me slash Goonies type of scenario. It has a bit of that in it too. Um, I I this probably isn't the best thing to say, but it. It came out right around the same time as Clarence. It it came out like around that same time, if not like really close to when Clarence was like stopping production for the most yeah. part. And what I want to say, it it's almost like a refinement of Clarence's formula. Um, it it is. I like I hate to say this too because like I I don't like to trash talk other shows especially ones that are like as uh, like harmless as clarence was yeah but craig of the creek is just kind of the better show oh it absolutely is and the only reason i make the comparison is that they literally hit that same spot for me and they capture the the wonder and sense of adventure i had in childhood yeah that is that is like the encapsulation of like what this show is because yeah. like the, that's kind of like my favorite genre of of like kid shows where it's like you you capture that feeling more than like in the the actions or anything you you catch the gravitas that like is brought to it by the kids rather than like how serious it actually is yep you're looking at the lens um, of a child as opposed to an adult and it's seriously funny oh yeah. it is it is one of the funniest cartoons that i've ever watched hmm. um but in terms of the episodes that came out there were um seven just about, I think that's correct. Uh, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight, sorry. Yeah, in The Key of the Creek, The Children of the Dog, Jessica Shorts, Ferret Quest, Into the Overpass, uh, The Time Capsule, uh, Beyond the Rapids, and The Jinxening. And as far as, I'm, as far as I know, those are the final episodes of Season 2. Um, and Season 3 oh. is going to be starting... Um, Next week, I think. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, just about next week on the twenty-first. I didn't know it was oh, only. Yeah. In it. I didn't know it was only in its second season. Yeah, it's yeah. um. It has a lot of episodes per season, unlike oh, uh something along the lines of, like Steven Universe, I guess. Got it. Got yeah. It. it it's. Uh, I wasn't even aware it was in its second season. I thought it was just a really long first season. Mm. at 80 episodes because i i don't well the website i use the websites i've used haven't split them up into seasons oh yeah it's it's uh it kind of just keeps on going and everything but there's like short yeah. breaks between yeah parts and like mid-season breaks and what have you um but it's it's a really refreshing show because unlike 
something like Steven Universe, which took massive breaks because of like meddling or refinement of the show one way or the other um this one takes breaks usually like a couple months at a time and then like puts out episodes and batches like you'll get a batch of episodes per month basically Mm. and then uh they'll go on break for a little bit yeah it's Um, uh, it's a good show it really is. Um, yeah. And I've, like, I've been watching it for a, a little while now, and it's like, it, it hit me all at once that it, it it was such a shame that I let it wait as long as I did to actually get into it, because it's just so good. Yeah. And um, I'm very much looking forward to y'all talking about this in a future episode yeah we'll 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 definitely talk about it at some point and then i can definitely take of some shows right off the top of my head that i would love to do for like a black history month like uh proud family uh static shock um god that was one other one that i had but i just it it escapes me now i'll have to remember it later but anyway th- those were like the first two that immediately came to my mind if we were to do something like that uh, any yeah cartoons with either a predominantly black cast or a, ma- a main black character but anyway uh, and as far as like that goes like i think the the only other thing that i could really say um is that um you wouldn't really think it but Craig of the Creek has a a minor plot mm. like yeah it, it does it isn't like super deep or anything and i don't think that it's ever going to um like be so encompassing that it becomes the main focus it's not going to do the thing that like say adventure time did where uh it had like splatterings of plot in it and then like near the last couple seasons it was like all plot non-stop there was like no goof off time this feels like it's going to just be like we're going to give you a bunch of like goofy episodes and then like maybe one or two episodes with like big plot in it and then keep it keep it fucking going the phenomenon you're talking about uh specifically with like adventure time i like to call it the uh early 2000s webcomic problem yeah i i know that very very well yeah where it it's just like <laughs> daily gags and then suddenly Oh, there's like a four-month plot going on, huh? Yeah, that happened with a lot of comics. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, uh, I remember oh, fucking Goblins, The World Through Their Eyes. Yeah. That, that Dungeons & Dragons comic that was just like a bunch of Dungeons & Dragons gags. And then suddenly it became like an entire epic deconstruction of the fantasy genre as a whole. Yeah. And I think that it goes without saying that the most infamous version of this is Control Alt Delete doing yeah. 
all the things that it did several times over. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's another, there's a, uh, least I could do, did it a couple times. Yeah. Uh, I haven't read that in years, but I know they've done it a couple times. Uh, there's a webcomic I used to read that called, I think it was called like Real Life or something like that. Mm. It started out as mostly just like, this guy is obsessed with Ultima and then he has a normal life surrounding his obsession with Ultima. Yeah. That, that's mostly how I remember it, but th they would get like big, like sitcom style plot arcs going every once in a while. But yeah. Uh, so that was your, and that's your week or did you have anything else? That you um, Basically, that, that was it. It's like, I've been doing that. I finished, um, like, all of uh, Letterkenny last week as well. Oh, hell yeah. Um, you need to watch Letterkenny. That's, that second-to-last season that came out, not great. Yeah. But um, the, the, the last last one, uh, season eight... Yeah. Season seven was the one that wasn't great. Season eight was pretty good. Yeah. Um for the most part at least. But I would definitely say that like earlier Letter Kenny is is uh much more enjoyable than later Letter Kenny for like a a good majority of reasons, but leaving that aside. It it, it definitely the first Five seasons, I think, are far stronger than six, seven, and eight. But... Yeah, I can agree with that for yeah. for sure. But they're like really digestible. They're like six, seven episodes a season, so we got through oh, it pretty fast. Yeah, okay, got it. They're short, and they always put them up like all at once. Mm -hmm. Did you uh, watch Little Kenny, the animated spinoff at all? No, I did not. Um... <laughs> I, I didn't even know that existed. We talked I, about it a little bit on the show. Did we? I it, sort of knew it was, it existed. It's just like I I never really looked into it because it it wasn't like something that I was yeah it, it hankering for I guess. It's literally just uh uh what's the main guy's name again? Uh, his name is it starts with a. W. Wayne. Wayne. Fuck. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it's uh. It, it's just Wayne and Derry as little kids, and like mm. how they meet, and then just kind of tiny eleven-minute versions of Letter Kenny, huh. but then as kids. Weird. That's fair. Yeah. I think towards the end they introduce uh, Squirrely Dan. Squirrely Dan. Squirrely yeah. Dan, the best character. Yeah. Oh yeah, me and Gordon Ramsay are both morons. <laughs> I've seen, I've only seen clips of that show, and every single fucking one I've seen is hilarious. Yeah. It's weird it's... that sh that show is kind of better digested as clips, because like yeah. uh... it, it's it's not like bad when you watch like a whole episode, because like there's really good bits in it like lots of really good bits but like probably the best bits from it can be just e extracted and put into a little 
clip and you can see all the funny bits really easily like that but yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's like how some movies themselves are bad but they're really quotable like yeah. uh like napoleon dynamite isn't a good movie but it's really quotable yeah you know yeah um but as far as that goes yeah that was pretty much my week otherwise i uh i rewatched the shows that uh we're gonna be talking about today yeah all right you also did a a charity stream as well. Oh, well, that is true. I did a charity stream uh, earlier uh, last week for um, the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, donated $600 uh, to... Uh, it was the Bail Project, which... Yeah. Uh, is a community bail fund for people that got arrested one way or another um, during protests. And it, like, in the long run, $600 is a splash in the pond, but it is something that I felt really uh, proud of. And it's something that I want to keep on doing in the future one way or another to to make this movement keep on going yeah. as much as it can. It, you, you, oh, ra- yeah. you raised way more than you thought you would, and you know what? That I think that's a big accomplishment, honestly. You, you raised the, the your gold in, like, the first hour. <laughs> yeah, which was wild. Like, we were doing a, like, seven-hour stream, basically, and, like, in the first hour, we blew past our goal of $300 and then we doubled it to 600 and we made that goal too. Yep. Um, Hell yeah. But, yeah. Uh, that was my week in a nutshell, I think. Laser, what have you been up to? Yeah, uh, just before I get into my week, I will say, you know, $600 may be a splash on the pond, but it's better than $0. Yeah. It is better. Anything is better than zero dollars in pretty much all cases. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> My week was. Uh. What did I do? Oh, yeah. I spent all of it playing Grand Theft Auto Online again. <laughs> Uh, uh, maybe going back three weeks, I think, uh, back when the Epic Game Store had it on sale for free. Huh. Uh, um, one of my friends, uh, decided to pick it up and that kind of kicked all of us, like my whole friend group who used to play to start playing it again. Uh, And I think they've mostly dropped off it. The, the one who got it on the Epic Games Store, I don't think ever actually played. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I like, every day I've been playing it a little. It. I mean, I don't know. If any time's a good time to do it, it's now since you're gonna be getting like a three million dollars in it or whatever every uh, single day or. 
I forget. Like it's either every single day or every single week until it's released on the PS5. Whenever that happens. That's only if you're playing on the PlayStation. I am playing on PC. Oh, F. boo, F. Yeah. Hey, uh, I got an F in the chat. Yeah, but I got the I got them Twitch primes. Uh, so I'm getting two hundred thousand a week. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I, I've. I started playing Grand Theft Auto Five like a month after it came out in 2013, and I think I took maybe a year off in 2019. But other than that, I've consistently played it. I, I don't know what it is about that game, but it's just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, all things considered, it is a well put together game that has a lot of features and content and things that you can do in it and yeah. Yeah. all sorts of goofy bullshit. And you're playing, yeah. so, like, and you're playing on a PC, so you can also get dumb mods. Oh, no, you can't. Really? Not if you play no, you it. cannot. Mean, you will get banned. What? You will get banned. There was like a yeah. whole controversy not too long ago where um, the um, publisher, Take-Two, um, basically, I forget the, the like finer details of it, but it was something between uh, shoving a... Uh, uh, DMCA uh, down the throat of the uh, group that has the modder program mm. that you can just like plug and play mods in uh, GTA games specifically GTA 5 oh. uh, most notably they basically said fucking no you and um, uh, their idea behind it was twofold one was the truth and the other was a lie the lie is that they were doing it because it was um to stop cheaters from playing the game online very often granted the mod like system did not in fact actually let you do anything to cheat there was no, like, cheat methods with that. It was mostly cosmetic uh, or, like, adding certain items to your game. But primarily, it was cosmetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like, being able to run around as Sonic or whatever the fuck. And the thing that happened from there was the lie came out well rather the truth came out is that they wanted to basically have a hold over the uh like ability to have mods so that maybe in the future if they decided that mods were a lucrative thing they could start like charging for mods or mod uh mm. modability to the game mm. one way or the other um, which has not manifested one way or another, but Take-Two mm. has done many a shady thing. Um, yeah. mm. Especially in regards to, like, DMCAs and other 
false flag copyright details. Now, now, I will say, as someone who's played the game for almost its entire lifespan, uh, particularly on PC, uh, it when modders and hackers do get in your game, there's two types. There's the ones who like to just spawn random shit and have a fun time. And then there's the, the ones who grief. Yeah, griefers. They, they give themselves invincibility and one-shot kills, and they give themselves, like, an undestroyable tank, and... Oh. Yeah. There's... Um, there's always going to be like people like that that cause just trouble and mayhem and yeah um want to ruin other people's fun for their own fun yes uh, but like in the case of the um the mod suite that uh was brought up before that got DMC8 uh like i said it didn't actually have anything to let you cheat with the mods. It only did cosmetic yeah. model swaps and uh, stuff along those lines, um, which is where like a lot of the controversy comes from because like they were saying one thing and it just simply wasn't true. Now, they if they wanted to actually wrong. crack down on on cheating, that'd be one thing, and I think that a lot of people would be perfectly fine with it as cheaters should be forced into a corner and think about their actions <laughs> and uh, wear a jail. shame hat. Put them in a the yeah. cheater jail. I, I will say there is like it, it's part of the first group I talked about of hackers where they just mm. kind of want to have fun without like ruining anyone else's day and there's a yeah. subset within there who they go in and they're just like hey we're doing money drops and they'll just give everyone like a million dollars if yeah, they show yeah. up to a spot yeah, yeah, yeah. which is cool but yeah there yeah. there's there's definitely a a but moral kind of thing when it comes to how you handle your specific flavor of cheating and it's like if you're yeah. just gonna be around and doing chaotic good hey that's cool if you're gonna be around and doing chaotic evil or any kind of evil for that matter yeah fuck off I gotta say, though, it's that small subset that really make, that I think really are the ones who piss off Take-Two and Rockstar. Because Take-Two and Rockstar sell cash cards for real money. They sure do. And uh, these hackers come in, they give themselves a shit ton of money, and they get access to all the stuff. You see, they, they, they make you think... All those updates are free. And they are. They're added into your game, no problem. But The content from the update is not free, though. <laughs> yes, you have to buy a piece of property. Now, you can earn the money for that property by playing the game. But it will... You would have to be running the heists seven days a week for eight hours a day to get the money to buy that shit. Which is usually the rub when it comes to games that are, well, games as a service kind of deals. Like, yes. 
if in almost all of these cases, it's like, yeah, you absolutely can, in fact, get all of these things for free if you play in this very specific time, in this very specific way, all day, forever. Yep. You but, don't uh, get to play any other video game, just this one. Yeah. Or just buy the cash card. Or just buy the cash card. Just, just buy the cash give card. us money and you get to do the thing. Just yeah. give us money. Yeah. It It's uh. Pay me. It's a scam. Yeah, it's a scam. <laughs> it is a scam. Yeah. It's uh, a big but, scam. But, um... I can't fucking stop myself from playing the damn game. I mean, like, if you're having fun, then fucking yeah. go at it. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. And most of the time, it doesn't even really matter. Uh, I have all the types of property you can have, really. And I have a lot of vehicles. I'm always looking to get more, though. That actually gets me into my biggest issue with the game. Uh, my favorite thing to do since the very beginning was car hunting. And I can already tell you're bored. <laughs> I'm not bored. Fucking uh, go off uh, about go, your go stuff. Off. Yeah, okay. Um, I loved car hunting. I loved, like, trying to figure out, okay, so if I'm looking for this car, then I should be driving this car in this area at a specific time of day so it'll it's more likely to spawn. Huh. And I just I just loved hunting down the cars and getting them and then modding them and then having them all in a nice garage and looking at them and now I have like 14 garages and most of them can fit 10 cars a piece and I want to fill them all. But all the new cars they add can only be bought. You can't hunt them down. Mm. And there's some cases were like, okay, I get that. Because they've always had the same thing. They're really in all the GTA games. Maybe at least going three onward. I've only played from three onward. The uh, really, really fancy like supercars uh, have to be bought. You can't uh, just get them and then take them and modify them and call them yours. You have to actually get them legit. Um, that's been consistent throughout the series at least from three onward. Um, but there's cars they've added that aren't really high-end cars. You know, like, I, I I could drive around, I could find a uh, the class Sabre Turbo, which is based on a 1970 Oldsmobile 442, if you want to look that up, um, which is my favorite car of all time, honestly. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or I could get a, an Impont Phoenix, uh, which is based Ooh. on a, a 70s Firebird. Ooh, hell yeah. Now you're, yeah. Now you're speaking uh, my language. That was my favorite car to hunt down, honestly, because it was very specific to time and place and conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, I would buy it, keep it for a while, sell it just so I could hunt it again. It, Yeah. Mm. Um, but... They, they've added cars similar to that that are like 70s muscle cars that you could reasonably get to find them in the street and then just steal them and get them, you know, the way you would most other normal cars in the game. But they lock them behind buying them. And that's so frustrating. 
I can understand that uh, specific frustration. Um, I don't have like a, a very good example of it happening to me, but I can make a fine comparison. Like, yeah. we can empathize. Where if if we go back to Monster Hunter, it would be like if like I also have the kind of thing of like. I hunt monsters in this game called Monster Hunter. And so, as such, I very much enjoy the process of going out and finding the monster, fighting the monster, doing gimmicky things to make the monster easier one way or the other, and then getting the kill or capture or whatever. But, like, it's kind of the same kind of way that, like, if you had... A Monster Hunter game, like Monster Hunter World, where all of the updates are free, technically. Um, but, like, to fight the monsters that you uh, wanted to, like all the DLC monsters, you had to, you had to fork up way more in-game money than yeah. you normally would yeah. pretty much anything else. Yeah. And they were only accessible through through that. Like... Granted, you have to do, uh, you have to like give money to go on quests to begin with, anyways. But it's usually not a whole lot. But if they like doubled or tripled or quadrupled the amount of uh, money that you had to spend to go into a quest for that monster, then that would be really, really annoying. And then Capcom said, "Buy bison dollars." Buy our bison dollars, and you'll get a free, free, quote unquote. Go at the monster whenever you feel like it. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. it, it is like it is a predatory kind of system that is kind of like yeah, it's in a lot of games permeating all of like okay, I'm going to do a thing, and like people may or may not like that I'm going to do the thing, but I'm going to do the thing anyway. Triple A gaming. Triple A. Yeah. Triple I. And yeah. it is permeated all of it. And it has yeah. made it into a, like, horrible, toxic environment where it's like, yeah, you bought the game, it was $60, or you didn't buy the game, but you paid for a service one way or the other to get the game. Um, Here, buy more mm -hmm. right now buy multiple Pay me. to keep playing the game in the way that you want to play it. Yeah. yeah. Or, I, I, in fact, you don't even get to play the game in the way that you want to play it. Just pay me. Yeah. And you'll get the thing that you want, but you don't get to get it in the way that you want to get it. Yeah. I, I have more to say on this specific topic, uh, but before that, I just want to close out GTA. And this doesn't need any reply. It's just a a one-liner. I don't know which economy is more broken. Gaia Online, GTA Online, or the U.S.? A The real answer is TF2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, the real Ooh, answer yeah. the real answer is the EVE Online. Uh, yeah. Anyway. All right, but uh, on specifically the topic you're talking about, I completely 
and this is going to sound maybe a little wacky, maybe, or a stretch, but I have a logic chain. I completely blame World of Warcraft. No, you're right. No, no, you're right. No, that's not a, that is not a huge, that is not a big logical leap. That is actually a, a fairly, it's like, there's an, uh, there's an obvious through line there for sure. Yeah, it, 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 it's WoW's popularity to the late 2000s, late aughts era of, uh, free-to-play Korean MMOs with uh, pay-to-win features, yep. which spawned the free-to-play shooters with pay-to-win features, yep. which spawned free-to-play other games with pay-to-win features, and that led to the mobile market, and that led to implementing those features in tri- AAA games. AAA! I actually have, have like, more than just... Um, more than just like World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. I actually have um, like a more specific like version of this being really bad, mm-hmm. okay. and I can't remember the the exact details of it. Ah, here we are. Um, the worst possible. Um, example of this, and it is the thing that started it more than anything else, is horse armor. Yeah, horse armor. Yeah, horse armor armor was the thing that started it. And for those of you listening that are not old men like all of us, um, horse armor was a uh dlc for the elder scrolls on uh well elder scrolls uh oblivion yeah one of the Um, first things to be called dlc if i remember correctly that is correct it was like there were like microtransactions and things before it but this was considered like a big dlc kind of thing and it hardcore jump-started the method of dlc in things listen i and i i I don't want to derail this conversation but i feel like if we keep going this conversation is going to last like another like 30 minutes you know what i mean we'll 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 drop it after i uh like yeah yeah, finish go over the the history i don't like as much as i I, like i want to have this conversation but like i i just want to make one clarifying statement when i said it's one of the first dlcs uh i'm not talking i'm talking about the like specifically the switch from calling things expansion packs or whatever to micro transactions because macro transactions was used a lot early on and then it was like that was something that was definitely used a lot for world of warcraft but dlc was like definitely a, a a thing that was birthed from this kind of microcosm of things but either way it was um one of the it was the first uh dlc for um other scrolls oblivion and it was two dollars and fifty cents to give your horse some shitty gold armor um and it's like 
that was basically all there really was to it. It was something that like was really egregious at the time simply because of the fact that like in most cases when it came to like DLC and things or uh microtransactions they were like very microtransactions and to charge $2.50 for fake armor for your horse yeah was at the time which was like 2006 super ridiculous Mm -hmm. it was like it happened and it was the laughing stock of just about everybody except for all the people in the like actual business who were like oh Oh, hello we can do that we can do that that's allowed (laughs) and then it was just a snowball from there really and now we have like major dlc that like costs like just so much and we get the the like actual f- fucking unbelievable microcosms of events that lead to dead or alive the fighting game oh. having a, a a overall amount of dlc costumes and specifically just costumes yep. that costs $800 or yeah. more. Yep. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, I, I just want to... Two last things and then we can really move on to your week. You know, that's fine. I just, you know... Uh, we are. And, tra- and the, yeah, I just want to... Yeah. We are trying to tighten up the show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we should maybe discuss doing a video game podcast. Oh, uh, there's still a lot of those. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, you know what? And I don't play enough video games to like, you know. Yeah. But well, anyway. Um. Uh, when we say microtransactions were substantially smaller at the time. Keep in mind, this is the era where a song on iTunes was literally 99 cents. Yep. We were talking about buying small digital items on the internet for less than a dollar. Yep. And then horse armor was $2.50. Mm-hmm. And, and the then, other like, thing... digital inflation went up hard. Yeah. Digital. It went and up then... big. <laughs> There's one other thing I'd actually like to tie it all to, and that's Adventure Quest. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. Adventure Quest definitely had a paywall in it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot of, like, uh, relation to Adventure Quest, but, like, I definitely saw it on my peripheral a lot. And there are a lot of people that were talking about the microtransactions and the paywalls that came with that game. But, like I said, I I didn't have a whole lot of connection to that one in particular. Yeah, I, I played it for like a week and just it wasn't worth it. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you see a lot of its blood in uh, mobile games nowadays. For, for sure. Sure. Please excuse our technical difficulties. Uh-oh. Sit tight. Uh, hey, you made it. 
Uh, we're finally going to talk about cartoons again. Uh, when we get back, we're heading into Doro Hedoro. Uh, stick around. Back on to our show. And welcome back to the A1 Gaming Hour. We're going to talk for another four hours about video games. And I am just kidding because this is Acme Podcast Incorporated. And I apologize for that long ass video game conversation because you're here for cartoons fucking right yeah we do talk about cartoons here on uh, this is my first time here and you can blame whatever foibles like that on me because <laughs> i i do video game things on the internet sometimes yeah that's fair oh it, it it's it's equally all of us because boy do we get into tangents oh yeah tangents and fucking like, happen yeah. and boy do i love talking about video games so yeah. you know, it, it it's yeah. not on you, bud. Like Flint Heart Glomgold using the Shungagusatsu. Yeah, uh, you really yeah, love um, that moment, huh? Uh, it's it's my favorite. It yeah. was a good joke. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one, it's it a, was a good joke. Yeah. It, it was it was a it was a strong start, I think. Yep. But uh, anyway, anyway, we're talking about. Uh, uh, we're getting into the first show of our double feature. As always, and that is Doro Hey Doro. Uh, I don't know what that means, Ugh. but it's a good series and it's an urban fantasy. So let's take it away from so, there. Doro Hey Doro so, doesn't exactly mean anything. They subtitle it as the beginning on Netflix, but it doesn't exactly have a meaning. Doesn't. Okay. Um, I, I think if I were to describe this entire series in one thing. There's a there's a scene in this. Uh, it's uh, I'm glad it was in this season, the the one season that they've done so far, and it, it perfectly encapsulates the entire tone of the French of the series. And that's the scene where Kaimon and the uh, I forget his name, uh, freaking the guy who works at the meat the meat bun place, are sitting on the bench. Uh, Aikawa, uh, they're sitting on the bench and they're like, oh hey Kaimon, the devils are coming out. Let's wave at them. <laughs> And this fucking grotesque, horrifying devil like flies across the sky, and they wave, and he just waves back. <laughs> that's li- that's it. That's the entire series. Doro Hidoro has probably the most interesting tonal art dissonance that I have ever seen in a series, and it, it really, it's yeah. it's actually seemingly. The author, uh, Q Hayashida's, um, like, forte, because she has a, uh, a second manga that is more recent, because Doro Hidoro, the manga is done. And she started a second one called Die Dark, which is pretty much exactly the same as this, 
in terms of tone and in ter- like it's actually worse in terms of its uh like grotesqueness than than like the the grotesque grotesqueries and everything that are happening in this series but like it it keeps that tone if not make it more goofy yeah but for those who don't know just to give a brief Dota Hedoro is a anime based of a manga about uh, Kaimon, a lizard-headed man who lost his memories, and a girl named Nikaido, and their various adventures in the shitty uh, city called Hole, uh, and trying to stop, figure out the, who the mage was that turned Kaimon's head into a lizard head, and also just the wacky shenanigans and grotesque horror that goes on in both the city of Hull and the world of sorcerers or mages, whatever the translation is. Um, yeah. And there's no other... There is a plot, but that's the gist yep. of that, of, of what Dota Dota is about. The, the, the overall, like, genre that I would say that it is, is mystery, because, like, yeah. the the entire plot structure of the series is... Here is this mystery that we have. Here is the next step of that mystery. We have figured out a part of the mystery, but in doing so, the mystery has also gotten deepened. And, like, every single thing, every single connection, every single, like, character that shows up, for the most part, is, like, intrinsically tied to this mystery that is surrounding Kaiman and the fact that he was cursed with a uh, lizard head and that he doesn't remember who he is. And more importantly, there's just a dude inside of him that's just yeah. chilling. In- insert Shrek Jeff here. Layers. 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 Laser. Yeah. You, I mean, we've we've kind of been, you know, going off. For yeah. A um. Well, before we before we get further into it, uh, I just want to get it on the track on the record. Uh, I watched the English dub. Which versions did y'all watch? I I watched watched the sub. I have watched the sub previously, and I uh, rewatched the series with the English dub. Uh, so that we have gotten the full spectrum of things. So, like, you can have, uh, like, uh, Kai can have uh, their feelings on the uh, sub. Uh, Laser can have his feelings on the dub. And I can compare and contrast. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that the only thing that really stands out is that comparatively I don't like Kaiman's voice in the dub yeah. as much as I no, do Oku- the no. uh, sub. Because yeah. in the sub it's Okuyasu. Which is a perfect voice for him. It's yeah. such a good voice for him. In the dub it's Alex Love or Lee. I, I yeah. don't know. Um, and he's he's been he's uh, Akira Howard in Astral Chain. He's uh, Zenitsu in Demon Slayer. Like he's oh he, that guy. Like he's not bad at all. 
and he yeah. does a good job at at like actually doing voices and he's very good at being silly when Kaimon is being silly. Yeah. It just don't hit the same dog. Yeah. Is were there any voices in the dub that stood out to you? Um I thought Noe was pretty good. Noi was pretty good. I liked Noi a lot. I think that Noi was like Noi was really good. Nikaido was weird because Nikaido sounded sort of like a mom. Yeah, a little bit. Hmm. I mean, she has kind of mom energy, but murder mom. Um, I thought N was pretty good. N was really good, and I think that like they they did a very good job with that. We like when I was rewatching it, I had um, a um, I had a reaction where I thought that N was being voiced by um, what's his name, Gara. Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking, uh, oh, God, uh, shit. Liam O'Brien. Yeah, Liam O'Brien, yeah, yeah, But yeah. it's not. Liam O'Brien. It's not. It's, uh, uh, it's not. Keith Silverstein. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Who yeah, yeah, did yeah. a lot of different voices and is, like, pretty prevalent regardless. But, yeah, yeah. it's, it was, uh, like that. Uh, but, like, for the most part, I would say that, like, the dub is really competent. Um, some of the the choices that they've uh, made for a, a couple of the characters is, are a little weird. Like Turkey, for example, sounds like Snagglepuss almost. Yeah. What? Like, yeah. What? Yeah, they made Turkey sound like Snagglepuss just a little bit. Like it's 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 not as campy, but it's ooh, it's very close. It's got like the same kind of cadence mm, to. Yeah. Oh, to the God. way of speaking. Um, speaking from a, speaking from like a technical perspective, this is kind of a dub, of, of someone who does dubs dream because a lot of characters wear masks that cover their mouths. Yeah, yeah. So there's they don't have to sync up the lip movements as much. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel that very much. Uh, the only other thing that's really of note, I think, in like. And I think that it's the maybe right thing to do because that's kind of what they were going for in the uh, sub or the Japanese dub, I should say, is uh, Chota sounded very, very um, flamboyant and uh, effeminate in the dub. And it's like, fair enough. That's sort of what was going on with it in the Japanese dub as well. It's just, it kind of... Mm -hmm stuck out more because like the yeah the kind of like western in in feminine kind of voice is different from the japanese yeah, one yeah it also stands out to us more culturally because we are more familiar with it because you know we live here. yeah yeah but um that's pretty much the 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 over under on the voices and their quality. I think yeah. that pretty much everybody else did a great job and I like them a whole lot. And um overall, good dub. Mm. Yeah. Just one that isn't like I would still say that I would watch the the sub over the dub in this case. Yeah, yeah. If if only just for Kaimon because 
I, I need to I need to know that guy's name. I only know him as Okuyasu in Part Four. Yeah. Uh, Wataru Tagaki. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I need to. I kind of want to watch more stuff with him because I actually really like his voice. Yeah. Honestly, um, but going back to just the series itself, um, the tone is I think again the the tonal shift is, I. It has a weird, charming tone because, again, it's simultaneously grotesque and horrifying while also being really cute and sweet. It, it, I feel like it almost hits certain, like, Dragon Ball notes, almost, in that, like, one moment, it's a gag that this is a, this is a comedy, and then the next moment, oh, this is some pretty good action. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, like, more, more extreme. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um. I can feel that. It's also so violent. Yeah, it oh, is. It's it is so brutally violent. Gory. Yeah, this is this show is not warning. Don't if you're a, if you're squeamish, maybe don't watch this show. Yeah, it's pretty gory. There's a point like it's where like, uh, a, the characters uh, Shin, who is great, and Noi, who is also great, yeah. uh, Noi chops a dude in half with her hand. And yep. Shin takes the another dude's heart out, and they did it because their friend was getting bullied, and they were like, "Yeah, okay, we're gonna do this thing." And they make a weird bully sandwich out of the two dudes as a yep. joke, <laughs> and and it's supposed it, to get a laugh thing, but like, it, fucking, it, they just it, bisected a dude yeah, and then took another dark, dude's heart really out and dark. made a sandwich out of it. It's, it, it's really dark humor. It was funny. It was so it was funny. funny, but it's also super fucked really up. Gross. And every it's, it's... and the thing that's so funny also is that everybody around also sells that it's fucked up. What are you doing? Why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> like going on that that track because me I think me me and Laser kind of talked a little bit this off podcast, but we saved it. Um, we were going to talk about how specific Noe and Shin and 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 the gang. It's like this. It, it, I mean, it's it, it it kind of pertains to Kaimon and Ikaido too, but like it's specifically the end gang because a lot of the story focuses on them too. Yeah, is it's just like let's follow wha- the wacky hijinks of these psychopath murderers. Yes. It is one hundred percent like a a just about a fifty fifty split between our main main characters of Kaiman and Nikaido and the end family being stupid across the board. The, the biggest thing to take away from all of these characters is that they are fucking idiots. (laughs) (laughs) They're idiots. Yeah. And even N who is the big serious boss man is just the stupidest most egotistical most showboaty motherfucker to ever exist my my favorite and he loves his weird cat dog thing yeah Yeah, my favorite my favorite bit of that was the flashback with noe and shin and they're sitting in the ramen shop and shin asks what's this music it's like oh it's the new single from n's hit new album Oh, it's so fucking good. It's so good. Oh. Every, like, we we get, like, so many parts of these characters, and we get to see, like, so many parts of them, and it's like, sure, N was 
tortured and was going to be sold as a slave and shit and everything. And he like turned an entire block or city into fucking mushrooms or whatever. But also uh, he loves his cat. He uh, sings very well. uh, And he regularly has paintings done of him in exaggerated poses and hangs them up in his house. I'd say his really only bad quality is the the I seek power thing, really. Like, yeah. I mean, okay, he's also kind of like a crime boss, I guess. He's a say. big oh, yeah. crime boss, yeah. Yeah. He just casually turns people in the mushrooms. Yeah. So, like, and it's uh, it's like we are... can't even really totally hold like being like loving big murder against him because Kaiman also loves big murder everyone in this everyone in the show loves big murder but i i really think like he can sing he can direct he knows how to run a business if he didn't have that desire for power he'd have no reason to be a crime boss Mm -hmm. for sure and it's like Everything about this series is, like, both just, like, so good and charming and, like, fun, while also being, like, this is so stressful. Yeah. The, yeah, this, and, and horrifying. This is horrifying. Everything sucks. <laughs> Hole is the worst place in the world. I love Hole. I hate Hole. <laughs> Fuck you. Hole is the worst. <laughs> Fucking, like, just the casualness of the grotesque. Like, that, there's some stuff that's, like, so horrifying and, and grotesque that is just casually brushed off without a second thought. Like, frickin', uh, the doctor who is, like, cursed to be eternally young, just making a door out of fucking mage corpses and bones. There is yeah. the fucking the the fucking bit where Kaiman was at his job as a like a, a assistant nurse type deal yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. like he wins a bet and is like okay I'm gonna get a raise now and also uh I'm gonna clean all this stuff up and I'm gonna sing while doing it and then I'm even going to clean your face like spinal column and head in a bag just hanging from the ceiling yeah yeah like rows of spinal columns and and like upper arms and heads just like burnt black and hanging from the ceiling yeah yeah it's real gross it like in terms of like having that dissonance between things fucking I don't think anything else can touch no, this nothing. artist no. ever. Like, if you look at any picture of, like, the majority of the cast just kind of hanging out together in, like, um, splash pages of the manga or anything like that, it's like, oh, this looks cute, kind of fucked up, but, like, cute. And that's, like, the whole deal. <laughs> yeah. It's... It's such a unique style, and 
I honestly think Soul Eater would have been a slightly better pairing with this show. I don't know. I think Kai Kai Sensen worked really well. Honestly, it, it, it does. But the, there's just a part of me that because. Well, I'll get into that more in Kekai Sensen, but I think like Soul Eater has like a slightly more unique style to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that that's why I think it might be a slightly because they're they're like very stylistically distinct. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, no, no, I get what you're saying. Like they are and. Uh, Soul Eater is also an urban fantasy series for sure. Yeah, it's it just yeah, it, it was too long. <laughs> it was too long. Yeah. Uh, the, I think like the main thing is that like these kind of take two sides of of like the same coin for each other, and that like not to get too far into Kikai Sensen just yet, but like. Where this is, like, dark and gritty on its surface, while also being really cute and everything, it has, like, it has, like, like, on its surface, in a way, Kekai Sensen is very clean and everything but it has a lot of heart to it and i feel like these these two pair up in that kind of way in that like there's there's like a lot of heart and soul that goes into these and their settings like Mm -hmm. like the the setting of whole and the society of sorcerers or magi or whatever they're so like odd and like nigh incomprehensible but because you're like so in there and you have like no choice but to follow along you kind of just kind of like you get used to it you kind of see things coming and it's like yeah that makes sense not exactly the the con the concept of like this might as well be happening but more that this makes sense to be happening in this world in the same kind of way that like shit is like constantly fucked in hell salem's lot but like it's it's so self-contained and like we get such a good idea for hell salem's lot as a as a area that it it kind of like it it has both series have really good world building in a way that is like not the main focus i i yeah, totally. Um, you go. Oh, go ahead. No, you, you go, no, no, go, go first. Ahead. I'll, no, I'll no, close no. out. I'll, I'll, I'll close out this section of the conversation. You go first. Because no, one of my notes following that through line was that, um, the world, the whole this this is this is both Hellslot a lot and a whole, but and of course the Thorshard world, the world it's the world and the setting, in Dota Hedoto feels like its own character. Yes. And this series does a really good job of very slowly establishing its world building without it feeling unnatural or expository. You know? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that they do that just kind of... You, you you see it and you're like, okay, 
and it, as more stuff is slowly revealed, like you're like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. I get that. You know. Mm-hmm. No, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, uh, this is a conclusion I came to after having watched Dora Hedoro, and I started my rewatch of Kekai Sensen, and that there's almost a second through line and. I need you all to not jump down my throat before you let me finish. Go ahead. Both of these are series that have more style than substance. There is a lot of substance to both of them. Mm -hmm. But it has style in spades. And that they both have... And part of that, what I mean by style more than substance, is... The world is so much more in-depth than the direct plot of the story, in my opinion. I can yeah, I can uh, I can understand and kind of agree with that. Like the yeah, no. the yeah. like sentence, like the the um sentiment of it has more style than substance can be a big detractor for people. Yeah. But it kind of has to be explained that, like, that isn't to say that the substance isn't there. I actually think that, like, the mystery that goes on in Dodo Hidodo is, like, one of the most engaging things. Even if you're able to call some of the things that are happening. Um, yeah, I was, it's like, I was really trying to theorize what was going on. I was gen- By the end of it, I was genuinely curious what was going on and the, with the mystery about Kaimon and the, the cross eyes. And, like, it keeps on getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And I would say that the same thing kind of applies to the overall emotional uh, grippings of Kekai Sensen. Like, the overall plot of Kekai Sensen is... Not the best, but I'll get into the reasons why that's the case. Yeah. But um, when we get to it, but like yeah. the emotional grippage of it, the stakes of it, the the things that happen in episode four. <laughs> uh, oh, they yeah. they they all are like so impactful and. It just it it's to compare those things to the actual style that the series have for like presenting themselves is a little unfair because they're coming from people that are like entrenched in doing style super well. Yeah, yeah. Because the guy who did guy who did Kekai Sensen did Gungrave and Trigun. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that explains a lot. It really does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it's but, um, um the uh, okay. Uh, you know what? His, here's here's what's his name? I'll let you finish it. Uh, fucking yeah, what is it? I forget his name. Um, it's Naito something or something Naito. Naito, Shinji Naito, something like that. I should really have done my research on that. Uh. uh... Also, this happens a lot. Also, uh, oh, uh, Yas- Yasuhiro Naito. Yasuhiro Naito. There we go. Yasuhiro Naito. Yeah. It, it's so, right here on the so, IMDb. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have a question for each of you. Okay. Uh, what, 
who is your favorite character in the show? Because there's a lot of good characters in Dota. My Shin. favorite. You were going. You said Shin. Yeah. Yeah. Shin. Shin. I think you both know my answer. Yeah, because you're horny. <laughs> listen, listen. Yeah. No, I get it. She's six foot ten. Yeah. And huge. I am pointing at you right now. I am Lord Farquaad. Horny. I am. She's so perfect. She's everything I want. Noe is very, very good and a, a super enjoyable character. And I love her very much. I think that uh, her part in the story is really good. And I love her like interactions with Nikaido. I think that she's a fantastic character and yeah she is super hot uh i am still going to shame you for being horny on main you know you know that's fair fair enough um but also freaking um but if i had to pick someone besides noe i feel like i feel like kaimon kaimon's fun kaimon's great like okay in in reality there's like pretty much no character in this series that i dislike like, yeah. even <laughs> fucking Fujita, who is the biggest lame-ass jobber ever, is great because he's such a lame-ass the... jobber. Him and Ebisu's fucking shtick is really good. Yeah, Ebisu also rules. I... Does she get better with time? Yeah, sort of. I mean, like, uh, if... Uh, I mean, like, if you don't like her by the end of um this this part of the series then i don't know what to tell you but like i, I, I'm, I I'm really enjoy her for her. who I, she is okay go ahead play there i'm just i don't dislike her at this point i'm just neutral on her at this point okay. Fair enough. she's definitely like especially like throughout the majority of it she's spastic and like kind of all over the place, which you can't totally blame on her because she did get her entire face bitten off. Yeah. First she got her face bitten off, and then she got turned into a zombie. Yeah. So, I, like, I'm she really kind of got super broken. Yeah. I, I'm really just kind of waiting for more development. I think it comes for her, but, like, okay. it, it, it takes a bit of time, and, like, okay. a mask redesign for her that happens later but like we're not gonna get too far into that but like we also come to find out that she's the one who made Kaiman the way that he is now which is like just another part of like the mystery layers because I, I don't really buy into that mm. well the guy inside of Kaiman's mouth said you got in my way yeah I, I, I know that but I still that's that is actually kind of the the important thing is that like that could be a red herring in that because uh, her smoke he, was found at the smoke shop it was the only and, the only thing that really is is like pointing towards it more than anything is that yeah she has lizard magic lizard lizard magic and she turned Noe into a lizard so but the the reason that I I don't really buy it necessarily is that we don't know the full extent of Kaiman's spell. 
Mm. So it could just be the the uh, the Risu inside him is isn't like a full intelligence Risu. It's reacting to the smoke that it recognizes as the one that transformed him. So someone could have used Ebisu's smoke. That that that's you know what? That's a you know what? Maybe that that's an interesting thought. That that's just that's where my mind goes. I have not read further into the series. Yeah. Um I imagine we'll revisit it when season two comes out. I have some theories about what the um because okay. There's a lot of focus on like obviously Kaimon lost his head and so did it's also unclear if Kaimon is Aikawa or the uh, freaking uh, Risu, or if he's somebody completely different, or if he's the headless man that uh, N fought it, or if Aikawa and him are both the same person. Mm-hmm. Like it's unclear who Kaimon is, and there was a, a bit, there was a shot that uh, I have a theory about. Um, Kaimon in part of the dream when he got on the phone. Kaimon sees a vision of someone taking out one of the tiny devils from someone's brain. And that makes me think, because the cross-eyes are trying to figure out how to get their own magic, and that's where uh, Sorcerer's Magic comes from. They have a little devil inside of them. So I think that, and also the the guy without the head who again killed was taking the heads of all the members of his family. So I think he was collecting the little devils inside of their heads or something. Oh, interesting. Like, that's what I thought. And also I think that's how sorcerers are able to turn into devils, is the, the devil inside of them, like... You know, takes over, awakens. Yeah. It takes over, and they, they become super powerful. Yeah, it's a super interesting series. Uh, it really is. It really is. Uh, I can't wait. I'm not sure whether I want to wait for season two or if I want to just read the manga. I, I genuinely don't. Yeah, know. same. I kind of want to read the manga. I mean, I I think there's benefited both because, like, honestly, the animation, like, even if you aren't like super fond of the the bits of um cg yeah. which i i don't think That's... is as egregious as uh other series really some of it looks pretty good but i overall i still kind of just wish it was cell animated i i just realized something mm. this is the first thing we've covered with cg animation in it. yeah i think the only problem is that like by and large, pretty much everybody except for Kaiman is like, uh, like, like hand drawn kind of like animation one way or another. But like Kaiman is for certain things. Yeah, uh, but like Kaiman is hard because he's got those spikes. He's got like so many like material things going on with his head that it probably just like. It'd fucking kill their budget to like animate him like they would anybody else. It's and, a logistical yeah. nightmare. Yeah, yeah, and then and then they're they use the the CG sparing like a lot of the fight scenes. Characters will switch from two D to CG. Like, I there's there are so many shots where I can tell no, he is definitely a three D model. Yeah, but it, it, it's it does it in a guilty gear way where they're three D models but they're shaded and lighted in a way that makes them still look mostly two D. Yep. And also, Which it also helps that, like, even even through all of that, like, the animation is still really quite good. And it is. It's like... It really is. It... Ooh. I I'm hoping 
that, like, in the second season, when that happens, because I, I have no doubt that there's going to be a second season of this. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. For sure, for sure. But, like, when that happens, maybe they're going to get, like, a budget increase. Like how it sometimes happens with series like this. That would be nice. Um, Do we have anything else to say? I don't really. No. The only other thing that I really want to touch on is something that I'm going to touch on for both of these series because there is another through line from yeah. both of these, and it's that we... their OSTs fucking rule. Yeah. They do. Yeah, yeah, they do, but. Yeah, yeah. I was one of my notes for Kekai Sensen, but we'll get there. Yeah, um, we'll get there. Dodohidodo's, like, all of the, uh, like, the opening for Dodohidodo and all of the endings, because there's a lot of them, are done by a band called No Name. And, mm-hmm. like, that was the first time that I've ever heard of No Name. I am now a big fan of No Name. They rule. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Good. The other. The otherwise OST, like the background uh, music that plays throughout the series, is very good. Um, some of it is is jarring. It's like very Smash Mouth at times, and not like the band, but like it. It's hard hitting and in gritty in a way, but also there's like silly ones. One of my favorite tracks on the. Uh, the whole OST is like this kind of almost music box sounding uh, jingle that plays when characters are doing silly things, but it's like bass boosted, so yeah. it sounds super <laughs> distorted and weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. it's it's like the the music really like helps set the tone in a way that like is, like, enforced by the art style. And, like... Like... You can point towards a lot of things that, like, probably just don't line up with the overall, like, aesthetic that is in the manga. Because, like, that's one of the main reasons why I would suggest to look at the manga, is that, like, the art in it is fantastic. It is... It is so different from pretty much anything else that anyone has done yeah the art in the manga is really really fucking cool looking but like the anime has its own charms in that like for one no names all over it for two the ost rules and the animation is usually pretty good so like this is one of those cases where both parts of the media have, like, a strong reason to exist as they are. Especially because, like, the voices that are put to these characters breathe, like, so much life into them when they're already lively and, like, emotional characters to begin with. It's, it, it is a, from the top down, it is a very well-constructed series and one that I am very much looking forward to like continuing on with and it's like fuck if you really enjoy this series go also read die dark die dark yeah. is it's not exactly the same kind of thing but it's got like the same kind of vibes going on because like just to go on like a quick tangent for it just mm-hmm. to sell a little bit um 
it is about mm-hmm. this kid, or rather this guy. You see both him as a kid and as, like, a grown adult. Though, like, he's, like, 14 <laughs> still, even when he's, like, a quote-unquote grown adult. Um, who is, like, the most wanted man in the multiverse because his skeleton is extremely vulnerable, like, valuable. Um, but he's also, like, one of the toughest, most unkillable people around. And he's, like, almost Goku-like in his level of innocence and, um, and, like, charm and and boyishness while also just being like, I'm going to sell your skeleton on the black market for money, asshole. (laughs) And, um, one of his best friends is a backpack skeleton who is also super uh, valuable. And, is like super casual and is just kind of a dude, but also happens to be like a weird backpack skeleton. Backpack skeleton. And his other best friend is the literal embodiment of death, who Sick. can eat people's souls like chicken wings. <laughs> it's All right. like it. Oh, and also his his other other friend is his dog skeleton spaceship. What? <laughs> like everything, okay. it's like a weird fucked up Geiger esque space opera thing. All right, all right, I'm in. And, I'm so in. And it's it's fucked and so weird and like it's more weird and grotesque than. Uh, Dolo Dolo by Miles and that's really it seems like it would be a really hard thing to do and apparently it's not so what you're saying I mean, is it's inevitable that it will be animated fuck I hope yeah. so that it rules so far <laughs> it's got like it's got like no plot whatsoever but mm. it's really really fun oh <laughs> yeah all right. Uh, oh, all right. the uh, the only other thing about that series is that it runs on video game logic pretty much almost all the time. Yeah. Oh, In the okay. last uh, chapter of it, um, main character got a a bobble that lets him summon a shopkeeper to God. a unknown area that will be adjacent to him. Huh. <laughs> All right, then. And there's many more things like that in it. It's just kind of like, I don't fucking know what we're doing here, but I'm loving every moment of it. And that's kind of, huh. that's kind of what uh, Q Hayashida uh, is all about. She's a fucking weirdo, and I love her. Hell yeah. Nice. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, uh, we're... Uh, heading into Blood Blockade Battlefront, better known as Kekai Sensen. Catch you then. Now, back to Acme Podcasts Incorporated. On Acme Podcasts Incorporated. Tobin la la kebab me
じれた昼の夜昨日どうやって帰ったあなただけが確かおはようこれからまた迷子の続き見られた知らない景色の中でいや、ね、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って、ちょっと待って。An event called the Collapse caused basically fucking a, a alternate universe or an alternate dimension to come merge with us, specifically in New York City. Yeah. And yeah.、Um, since then, the entire island has been basically transformed、uh, thanks to. Like, it was in complete chaos when it happened at the first point, but like a bunch of、uh, espers or psychics or whatever you want to call them came together and、uh, basically put a seal around that part of the world to stop it from leaking out to everything. And what came together was Hell, Hell Salem's Lot. And the story follows the main character, Leonardo Watch, who is a perfectly normal human who finds himself moving into Hell Salem's Lot, and he has the power of the all seeing eyes of God, which, with those powers, he eventually finds himself involved with the super secret organization called Libra, who are basically a quote unquote police force slash investigation、mm. force that try and. You know, they're more vigilantes. Yeah. Vigilantes, they, yeah. They, they do whatever they want. They are like. There is, there are p l a c e They're part of like. They're not the part of the government, but like they're uh, kind of sanctioned by the government in a way. Yeah, they're more like the.、Uh, what was it called in Hellboy? The, the BPRD.、Uh, well, no, but the BPRD was.、Uh, Actually, part of the government, they're, they're like the FBI, but specifically paranormal、yeah. investigation. They're kind of their own, Libra's kind of their own thing because we do see cops. I was, in... yeah, I was under the impression that Libra is just a completely unsanctioned、uh, vigilante because they are worried about getting arrested when they work with the cops. Yeah, they、That's、like they、true. aren't like fully sanctioned, but the government does rely on them on a fairly regular basis. The only like Batman, the only thing、yeah. that is making them anywhere official is the fact that Claus von Reinhardt, the leader of、uh, Libra, is 
like the richest person in the world or something or yeah. comes from like the richest family in the world but it doesn't really get touched on in yeah. this season he's also got you know the power to back it up yeah, yeah, yeah claws yeah, yeah. is sure. extremely strong but the main reason why leonardo watch is coming to this city to begin with is because he wants to get his sister's eyesight back which inadvertently got traded in for him to get the all-seeing eyes of god by her own volition and not his yeah by some sort of eldritch god horror which is kind of what happens in hell salem's lot is there's just there's just fucking unexplainable things that happen because sometimes a elder god will peek out its head and say you and you then you happens and <laughs> you don't get a say in it pretty much yeah before we get further into it uh, I mm -hmm. just like to establish with anime. I watched the sub. Uh, what for... I, I also watched the sub. I have watched both the sub and the dub at multiple intervals because this is my favorite series ever. I think. Okay. Like period. <laughs> <laughs> I I wanted to watch the dub because I had previously seen the sub, um, but I couldn't find it outside of actual Funimation's website. And there's I a couple places there's a there's a couple places, but you gotta you gotta do some Skullduggery. Skullduggery. Yeah. Let's call it. Skullduggery. Yeah. We 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 on this podcast don't support Skullduggery. No but we do partake. Yeah. I mean not provably. Yeah. Not provably. <laughs> Uh, if this had been, if I hadn't been fired from my job, I would have just straight up bought the DVDs or the Blu-rays or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't love this series to the extent you do, Brad, but it's real high up there. I, I, would not, mm -hmm. I would not mind owning this on Blu-ray or DVD. I think that this calls out to me in a lot of different ways, if only because stylistically this is my entire jam yeah like my, like yeah. everything about it the music the atmosphere the world building the character interactions with each other the sense of like impending fucking if if something goes wrong here, everything is fucked. Kind of mentality that comes from this series. Mm -hmm. yep. I just love it. It's like it is everything that I want out of it. And like so many of the characters are so lovable and full of of like I don't have a better way to put it than they are full of character. Yeah. Like, I, they they all fit into, like, certain tropes that have been 
done before, but like they feel so fresh at the same time. They're done really well. Yep. Like this this show, while it season one, I know season one and season two have completely different plots, and while season one, we, by the way, we only watched season one because yeah. it is a self-contained story, uh, but. There's a season two, and we might talk about it sometime later. Oh, we but, will. You know. We will. I mean, yeah. hell, if if um, fucking Dodo Hey Dodo season two comes out anytime soon or in the near future, oh, yeah, we, we could have... just do round two of this. That, that was, yeah, yeah, that that'd was be great. I was hoping. I, I have a feeling Dodo Hey Dodo season two will be this year, maybe at probably. The end. Yeah, yeah. And probably. so we'll probably see it released on Netflix around the same time next year. In which case, I would like to plan another fantasy month. Yeah, but um, what I was going to say was is that while this show has a plot, it is almost strictly character-driven yeah. as, a, as a series. It really is. Which is... It could have been more so, because there is... It could have been, totally. Um, I say that because um, there are two like important characters to season one uh named white and black yeah yeah and they are technically non-canon they were made for the anime anime. and uh did not appear in the manga at all and the main reason for that is because the original manga for uh kekai sensen was still ongoing while uh the anime was being produced so it didn't actually get to the ending quite yet so they did some like mid-2000s bonesing of it and gave it a um kind of ending of its own uh and a, a a like plot line of its own that kind of complemented and went with the themes that were uh, being presented in the episodes around the the overall overarching pro- uh, plot. Honestly, it worked. Yeah. So they full uh, full metal alchemist slash soul eatered it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Totally. And yeah, but I it- think that like your feelings on either of those endings may vary. I think that this one did the same concept way better because of the fact that they knew that it wasn't going to get to the end anytime soon. So the way that they did it was they made a totally new plot line that fit perfectly within the world and had lore around it that worked just fine by making uh, white and black related to the espers that helped close up the breach from the other side. And then weaved their stuff in every single episode of uh, the series. Yeah, that was, that was actually one of my notes was that like, it's the show was I it's really it was actually really cool that it was me and Laser actually had this conversation when we talked about Shamblu mm. about episodic shows that have a plot. Yeah. 
but I think this show did a much better job of keeping its episodic nature while slowly sprinkling in its major plot throughout each of its episodes. Yeah, definitely. Because we, we, because Laser and I agree with what he said about Summer Champlu is that like its plot kind of just all happened near the the end you know and it was it wasn't set up as as much as it should have been yeah um i will say well okay actually no uh let me restart that sentence um i have you read the manga rad i have i've read uh the manga of it um and the sequel manga which at least for parts of it uh also uh goes into the sequel series of Kekai Sensen and beyond. Okay. Uh, is the major plot of the anime The Vampires, then? Um, of the manga? For the, the manga, most part. What, for the most part? Okay. Um, there's other things that uh, come in here and there, um, including... Uh, more of the uh, 13 kings showing up. Um, mm. But that's mostly in the uh, second series, uh, Kekai Sensen, back to back. Okay. Um, but the, the main thing is that, like, by and large, Kekai Sensen is very episodic, even within the manga. Like, they'll do, like, a couple quick um, chapters of, like, a, a, a bit of the story. Or rather, like, a bit of uh, shenanigans or a plot thread or whatever. And then they'll go to the next one, just like they do in uh, the anime. And I think it works really well as a kind of episodic look into the fucked up nature of uh, Hell Salem's lot and Libra's shenanigans. I, I, I've realized something recently, uh, specifically watching this show. Uh, and I, actually, I didn't realize it until just now when you brought up Samurai Champloo and the nature of episodic shows. I don't mind episodic shows quite as much when they're like in a bustling metropolis hmm. because there's so many people around and there's so much going on that it's so much easier to get sidetracked hmm. especially lends, if you're just starting out in a metropolis yeah, it lends itself better to being episodic because there's such a uh opportunity for weird day-to-day -day things to happen especially in a place like hell salem's lot where literally mm -hmm. like you'll have a completely normal day one time and then the next like an elder god is deciding to take a stroll across the entirety of hell salem's lot and everybody has to get out of the way or else and it's not even doing yeah. it as, uh, doing it maliciously it's just taking a walk yeah, or there, or there's a bunch of tentacles out on the bay that's taken out airplanes or whatever. Yeah. It it's a wild fucking ride, and it uh, is a wild quite literally, welcome to the jungle. 
Well, yeah, welcome to the jungle, but, um, I think because this series is so character-focused, I do want to talk about some of the characters. Oh, for sure. Like, if, if we didn't talk about some of the characters, we wouldn't be talking about this series. Like We wouldn't, because every plot, well, it's fine, it's the characters. Pretty much all of the plots that happen in episodes, like, that, they're character-focused, not just, like, in so far as like, oh, the characters take up so much of the time of the thing that like the the plot doesn't get resolved. No, it's like it is about like each thing is about what makes a character themselves. Exactly, yeah, and I think um, yeah. to tie it back to Samurai Champloo and that conversation again, mm-hmm. I think the major difference here is that. Samurai Champloo is very episodic and it is somewhat character driven, but not nearly to the extent of this. And that also contributes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Each episode, I feel like I've learned something new about a character. Yeah, for sure. Samurai Champloo, there's maybe outside of like the major plot episodes towards the end, maybe four or five episodes, I came away thinking I learned something about the characters. There's there's just a lot of chaff in the episodic quality of something like Shampoo versus for Kekai sure. Sense. For sure. Yeah. I um go ahead. I was just gonna say because we're gonna talk about characters. I think we have to talk about Leo because yeah. I, Leo is my, my note. I think one of the most enjoyable main characters I can think of. Yeah. He's, um, I mean, especially under the, the, the like cloud of, I am the main character and I am a normal boy around weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love that Leo is completely normal. He's the most normal person in the room at any given moment. But he's also not. He's also super not. He's also not like, and, it's that line at the end that uh, I forgot his name, the fish man. Uh, Zed O'Brien. Oh, Zed. 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 I love Zed. That line Zed delivers at the end where what you consider normal, everyone else considers exceptional. That sums up that, yeah. that that's what makes Leo great. Like, yeah, Leo is that, that like is... gave me a shiver because like fucking it's such a good poignant and touching line. Yeah. It's literally Zed is telling him that because basically Leo in that moment is saying like I'm just a normal everyday guy and Zed's like no that's the thing. That's be- it because you're just a normal person. You're just a normal good person. That's an exceptional quality and I don't think you realize how exceptional it is just to be a normal everyday good person. It's the same kind of feeling that came with Claus saying the line you know your eyes weren't the only reason we brought you into Libra. Yeah. Yeah. It's because he brings a, an amount of huma- humanity that all, even as much as Klaus is the most, he has the most humanity, even he being in Libra and all of them kind of doing this thing for so long, it's like they needed, they needed someone with heart, you yeah. know? And also, Leo is, like, one of the bravest people 
despite like not having anything that is like like it's the the all seeing eyes of god are crazy powerful but they're not like combat ready or anything like that to, oh no like you can't use them for combat at to, all to put it in a uh in naruto terms which i know that that's stupid he's a sensor type hmm yeah, uh, yeah. He, he doesn't... He's a scanner. He's a sensor. He he fits more into the Ino the the Yamanaka clan role rather than he's a yeah he's a support yeah that, and that's why he's paired with Zap, who's all offense and literally nothing but nothing. We're going else. to talk about Zap. Yeah, we have to talk about Zap. Zap is Zap is Zap is such a fucking asshole. Yeah, but holy shit, like there's. The thing that is, like, so poignant about, like, Leo is, like, Leo's a really good character. Yeah. He just is. But somehow, they made him, like, so much stronger with the inclusion of White. Yeah. And, like, having their relationship, one that didn't exist previously, and it's, like, fucking everything about that final episode and like everything leading up to that hurt i like the fact that it mirrors his younger sister also is yeah painful the the, the, when you said that she and black were only in the anime i i genuinely found that heartbreaking because i like i was really i was thinking of reading the manga but like they're two of my favorites from the show. Yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? And it's like, yeah, it's like the the thing that sucks more is that it's like I'm pretty sure in season two, Black is brought up like once, oh. and there is one thing that happens, and that White is in the opening, the the opening for the second season, like for a couple frames, and then yeah. is gone because That's... she's she's still part of everything now i I, it's so heartbreaking in a way mm -hmm, that like mm -hmm. you can't you can't get like ah it's it's (sighs) so it's so much like the 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 kekai sensen anime has so much worth to it um it's going off crazy sorry going off of white you know what? Go ahead. Lisa. I did just still on the topic of white, and then uh, is there like an analogous character? Because like that relation, her relationship with Leo, it adds so much depth to Leo. Is there like an analogous character in the manga? Not really. Like the closest, it, the closest is his sister, where like I mean, there is yeah. like. The manga touches on their relationship more, and so does um, season two. Okay, that's um, fair. But, like, that is, it's like, there is reason to read the manga for, like, other things, including, like, bits that weren't animated one way or another um, that have, like, a good amount of value to them. Okay. Um, but, like, it's hard to say no to the anime when it has like 
this plot thread that is so impactful. I have, like, every single time that I've watched Kekai Sensen all the way through, which has been, at this point, like, five times, I think, I have cried every single time when I get to the end. Yeah. Every single time. So, I was going to say a minute ago, I'm going to say it in a second, but I just had a thought. I'm just, I'm imagining fucking Leo with a broken accent going, I gotta get my sister's eyesight back. <laughs> God. <laughs> Alright, hold on, hold on. I gotta beat, I gotta beat Yugi <laughs> to get my sister's eyes. Uh, well, he he has the same English voice as uh, Alphonse Elric, so... Oh, God. Uh, oh, God. Oh, sorry. I just had to... That came to me a second ago, and I had to say it. Also, like, oh. um, just just to put on the table, uh, because we talked about the differences between the, the dub and the sub voices in um, Doro Hidoro. Yeah. Uh, the... Dub voices for Kekai Sensen rule. I I saw some clips of, I saw some clips from the dub of with the lot of it was like a compilation of the of scenes with Leo and Zap, and they were great in the dub. They're so the deliver, good. Their deliveries. The delivery was fantastic. Great. Um, but what I was gonna say was before my dumb joke was earlier was um there's a, I know talking about symbolism sometimes is is a bit, you know, up my own ass, but I I do want to talk about the scene in the ending where White is there. And there's that scene where she steps on the, uh, the flower. Yeah. And that symbolism is clearly, like, the destruction of her innocence. Yeah. Well, and it's, I don't know. it's two parts. It is... Yeah. Destruction of innocence can be a way of reading it. The other is, is it the flower that's bleeding or her? Does that mean that she's that fragile? And that, Mm -hmm. like, that's kind of the thing that gets tossed around in my brain, is that, like, yeah, that that is some really poignant symbolism with her. Um, But, like... Yeah, the the thing about them being anime exclusive, it it makes it makes the anime have like so much more value in in just existing when it already has like great value to begin with because of like something that we're going to bring up later, which is the music. Yeah, the music. Oh my god. Um, but um, yeah, it's like Leo is fantastic. And an amazing, um, like, main character who puts his heart on his sleeve and, like, is brass and, like, doesn't take any shit when he doesn't need to. It's like, he is... He is not weak-willed at all, and, like, if Zap is gonna be a fucking dickhead, Leo, despite not having any powers, it's like, I will fucking kill your ass if you don't stop Zap. (laughs) (laughs) 
and um, it's just yeah. it's it's so good. He's so good. My favorite scene with Leo is at the very end. There's that one shot where he's talking to Klaus, and he does the classic like rubbing behind the head oh, thing, and he just laughs. No. And, and then he just fucking cries. Oh god, yeah. that scene is so good. Uh, it just fucking, fucking breaks me. It's yeah. Fucking emotion, just um, just hit up, and then it's just like, yeah, I did it, and then immediately is struck with, oh god, I did and it, cries. Yeah, Leo, he's a really good like deconstruction of like a twenty tens, uh, twenty teens uh, anime protagonist mm. because he's 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 humble, and he's sort of like the ordinary guy. <laughs> But he's not wishy-washy. He's not... He's not, like, a... He's not put into perverted situations. He's... He shows the strength of that character formula without the weaknesses. Mm-hmm. For sure. And... In the same vein, I think that we would be remiss if we did not talk about our other main character, Claus von Reinhardt. I love yeah. Klaus. Klaus. I love Klaus. I love Klaus so Klaus, much. Klaus is like... Okay, so Klaus is like the... the, Not the exact opposite, but like... He's parallel he's to the other Leonardo. Side he's the other side of it. He's the other side of it. He is... Totally. Full of heart, just like Leo. But like, he's... But he's, he's like... Stoic. St- Stupid strong. He has amazing focus. And he has, like, this will that won't stop. Like, mm-hmm. I I have a lot of episodes of Kekai Sensen and the second season that I love. My favorite episode of Kekai Sensen, period, is the third episode, I believe. Which is the one... It's either the third... No, it's... It's the third one, I'm pretty sure. Which is the one where he goes to um, figure out who is, like, selling these drugs all over the place. Oh, yeah, and he plays that weird chess game with that one demon. Yes. Yeah, yeah um, that, that is, yeah. He uh, plays Prosphere, yeah, which Prosphere. Um, is, for those that don't know, it's chess that after... Every few moves uh, evolves and changes and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, he is facing against the most galaxy-brained demon that has ever existed, um, who he's on good terms with. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because they've done, like, friendly games before... But because of the circumstances of him coming to the rescue of uh, some, like, German diplomat, or Russian diplomat, I should say, um, the the game that they play, which happens in, like, this fucking hell desert dimension, happens over the course... Waco Mundo. Yeah, it happens in fucking Waco Mundo. Uh, Happens... (laughs) over the span of 99 hours. 
and yeah, they just go. Yeah, and go. Reinhardt, who like Klaus, who loves chess to death. He is my good, good autistic son. I love him. Um, he he plays and plays and plays and even after hearing that the russian diplomat is wanted to kill him and uh the other person that went there kk, KK. Uh, yeah kk yeah um even after hearing that kept on going and kept on doing it after like saying that he would do so to protect the russian diplomat guy and do whatever he needed to because that was just that's just how he is and he goes and he's he like he's like on the verge of fucking death because he's been up 99 hours trying not to lose to galaxy brain over here yep. and like at the end at the crescendo of him saying how he would never ever give up because it's just the right thing to do fucking ode to joy starts playing and to and joy. he survives 99 hours of playing fucked chess and gets his information saves the russian guy and fucking it's the most it's the most just kind of encapsulation of his character ever and it's yeah, it, the it, best it's, it's just per- the best yeah it perfectly captures exactly what his character is about and who he is as a person now i haven't read the manga as i've stated i haven't read the manga i haven't seen the second season but if this was a different series klaus would have started teaching leonardo yeah mm-hmm. but like leo doesn't need teaching yeah he's good no, as he, he is he, and that's yeah, he's his own that's thing. like the overarching plot well not plot but like message is that like everybody is different and like good as they are even if they are horrible scumbags like zap zap <laughs> speaking of zap what a fucking ass what a goddamn yeah. piece of shit i love him yeah. <laughs> uh, that like zap fun in a horrible way he like there is there's a lot of like characters in anime and such that are like supposed to be the skeezy pervert or whatever and zap isn't exactly like that he's not exactly like a skeezy pervert he just fucks a lot but he is a horrible piece of shit as a person yep he does also go ahead the important like line is he doesn't seem to mistreat women. He doesn't. He 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 doesn't peep. He doesn't uh, do any skeevy shit. He just he just he just fucks. But he al- but he also doesn't know when to give up. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's an issue. Um, that's the issue. But then he gets played. So you know. Yeah. Um, but the the thing that is like most interesting about zap is that like he is just kind of like this horrible scumbag has like very little morals and has like like he's just he's so whiny and and like shitty but also 
he doesn't show it very often, but he cares a fuck ton about the people around him, especially Leo. Yeah. Leo is his best buddy, even though he will never admit it to his face. Ever. Ever. And th- that brings me to another point. We can get back to Zap in a second. I really wish they had introduced Zed a lot earlier. Me me too. I love Zed. See, like that's that is the the problem, but it gets solved in season two, I promise. Like yeah, that's one fair. of the one of the things yeah, that sure. that is like overarching the case between this one and season two is that there's a lot of episodes that are focused around like a, a certain selection of characters in season one and yeah. then like the overall plot. Okay. Season Good. two has all the characters that didn't get like a character episode in season one get character episodes in season two. Oh, like Shane and KK and uh... Shane, KK, Gilbert, the yeah. butler. Yeah, Gilbert. Really? Gilbert oh, that's, that gets a great. great episode. Good. Um, I can't wait. And so does Zed. Zed gets two episodes, actually. My favorite episode in this season is the episode of Zed, Zap, and Leo's lunch misadventures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> My favorite episode. The other yeah. thing that like Zap will never, ever admit is that he also loves Zed. He's, he's, like, like, they have, it is, it's something that doesn't get totally explored here, but, like, there is, like, such a, uh, connection between all of the characters in a way that, like, is just super good. I think the only characters that actively don't like each other are, well... Steven thinks KK is fine. KK hates Steven. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And Chain and Zap fucking hate each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Freaking, um, I was gonna say, I also mentioned this in Samurai Shampoo, but the other, like, the other vibes is found family vibes. Yeah, it, it really does have that uh, throughout Libra. Um, um I, I just wanted to finish my thought of why I wish Zed had been introduced earlier. Mm. Oh yeah, go ahead. Um, I just really feel like Leo need... One thing that Leo as a character needed was one person in Libra that he could interact with casually. And Zed yeah. was that. Yeah. He had that antagonistic friendship with Zap. And Chang you know, was nice to him, but she's never fucking around for more than three seconds. And Klaus is very, uh... Standoffish. Standoffish in a kind way, but he's just... He's a man of few words. He keeps to himself for the most part. Yeah. I feel like Steven doesn't fully trust Leo. Steven trusts Leo, but there is stuff with Steven... Okay. Um, that hasn't really been explored yet, which um, explains like a lot about him, and mm. um, his he also has like a very interesting relationship with Klaus. With Klaus, Klaus, that I can't say his fucking name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I that that's the only re- like I like Zed as a character too, but I just feel like it would have been really important. 
to Leo's character to have a character like that within Libra. Because he has black and he has white. And those are like important friendships. We've talked about that, though. Mm. But is there anything else like it's just within Libra. I felt like there was nothing really keeping him at Libra beyond subtext. Like his friendship with Zap isn't one you stay in long term. Oh yeah, for sure. In fairness, uh, um the the reason that he's saying with Libra is is to find uh a a solution to his problem with his sister so yeah, yeah. like then... if if anything it's like i think that if the case was like they they should have focused more on that then maybe but like in this case it's like he he got in with libra through circumstance and then then necessity and then out of kinship then let me rephrase my issue. He seems to be very loyal to Libra very quickly. When, yeah, that's fair. When no one there is particularly warm to him. That's a fair... Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that I think... I, I, I just feel like introducing Zed earlier would have solved that singular issue. I think that's fair. Yeah. I, That's fair. But at the same time, I think that Close does treat him very warmly, but in the way that Close does, like, that he does anyone. And I think yeah. that that would have its own, like, like personal meaning. And Steven is very all business, but he still cares about leo and anybody else in libra yeah um i i just realized something about klaus uh-huh but i'll let you finish i'll let you finish your thought. well uh the main thing is that like well there's also um blitz t abrams or lucky abrams who also i love yeah, abrams yeah, um, abrams huh. abrams is warm too him very fast but for better or abrams. worse to yeah. for better to or worse leo's mortality but, but i love also, abrams abrams is, he's also abrams is my second yeah yeah but the the other That's thing it. to keep in mind is that um and it's not something that you you think about too often because we do just get to see a very small amount of libra at a time but yeah. Libra is a mm -hmm. big organization. Oh, and yeah, for sure. Leo probably does get in contact with a number of them fairly often and might have some connection. And I think it's like the connection he has with Libra is more of his connection to the entire city. Libra has such a connection to the city itself that he also has connection to a lot of the city, which gets brought up and kind of made more personal when it gets to nedge yeah. but like yeah um like his reason for being in the area and being with libra is because 
they're his best bet for getting some solution to his problem. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes kinship and friendship and all of that stuff. So it's like, while, while I, one could say that like they aren't like super best friends. The reason the uh-huh. the um the reason why he sticks around is very clear. The emotional attachment he gets from these characters is kind of a slow burn, but you get to understand it more and more. In a lot of cases, it is just kind of a work relationship. In others, they care about each other in subtle ways. And it is, it is like little things that happen, especially like, I, I know that I keep on saying season two, season two, season two, like season two seriously does expand on a lot of these things in a way that, makes it clear what the deeper connection is between all of these characters and what it it means for things and it's kind of hard for me to like disconnect these two things when talking yeah that's no no no. you you shouldn't because you keep saying season two season two and i keep asking season two season two manga season two manga Hmm. uh because it's a thing that has to be taken into consideration if for sure. if Kekai Sensen, if this was the only season and there was no manga, then I would have way more problems with this. But the prob the the promise of an additional season and a more expansive manga plus a sequel manga helps lessen those issues to just like something I could say, I wish they had done X or Y earlier, but I know it'll be expanded later on. Later in the yeah. series. But I will definitely agree yeah. that like the lack of Zed until like pretty much the very end is a sad thing because like he's kind of like instantly endeared to you one way or the other because he's such oh, yeah. a foil to zap yeah like he's such the opposite of zap and they are have such a like fighty kind of relationship it's it's sanji and zoro it is and in the case of the um fucking japanese dub zap is voiced by zoro so <laughs> Yeah, yes. I I was gonna just say, it it's again the case of you know how Klaus and Leo are opposite sides of the same coin. Zap and Zed are as well. Yeah, because yeah. they have the same style, but like different techniques within the style. Yeah, and and they're both all offense, but Zed is a sweetheart, and Zap is a jackass. The dude. Also, I wanted to mention the thing I realized about Klaus before I forget mm. it. This is going to be a weird comparison, but Klaus is like Optimus Prime. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. 100%. Klaus, you... Klaus is stoic and cool and a leader, and he has a big heart. But the the other thing that I... The reason why I realized that is because... Klaus is, is Optimus Prime, Leonardo's Bumblebee. 
Fuck. Yeah. Well, no, well, no, well, no, 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 not that. I realized it because I think Klaus is one of those characters that is absolutely god awful at small talk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a perfect example of that in I think it was Transformers Prime where Optimus is like inside a wheeljack ship, and he's just like tapping his fingers. And he just looks over at Wilderick and he's like, so, you and, uh, you and, uh, uh Bulkhead, uh, knew each other back in the war, right? He's just struggling with every fiber of his being to try and make some kind of small talk. But, I think it's for opposite reasons. Because... Yeah, it is. Klaus is not, not like bad at small talk or wouldn't be bad at small talk for that reason it is because he is distractible yeah like the yeah, yeah one of the like another very good character scene of him was in the episode with lucky abrams when they're on the train and he's just so excited to be on the train yep mm-hmm. it, it the the main difference there is Yes, Klaus is distractible. But Optimus Prime is just he he's permanently in leader mode. He can only yeah. converse in rousing inspirational speeches or battle cries. That, exactly. That, that's all Optimus can do. Klaus He doesn't even really do inspirational speeches quite as much. He's very much, like, it, it's equal parts the distractibility, but he's also a stoic. He's very stoic and very formal and very stiff. Yeah. But he's also very, like, the other thing about him He's that... a sweetheart. Even with those things, he's a sweetheart, and he loves people, and he cares about people. And he's also extremely innocent. Yes. Oh, yeah, um, totally. One of the bigger things is that, like he couldn't understand why like like what was going on with uh zap when he was like i don't want to fucking follow this kid around i don't want to deal with him fuck shit i'm not gonna do it fuck you boss fuck uh was that like zap did in fact actually care about Leo and didn't want to leave him alone and everything, but he's too much of he's too much up his own ass to admit yeah. that kind to of admit thing. Admit it, yeah. Um, and he's also too much up his own ass to admit it to himself either. So he has to terrorize Leo all over the place and make yep. his life hell, um, yep. to get the same thing done one way or another. Yeah, but like. Close didn't understand that, and like that's that's like one of the many reasons why. And I say this very very seriously. I like headcanon for whatever that's worth. Um, close as uh, autistic. Yeah. No. And mm-hmm. yeah. I can see it. Like, I can see it. He's like the spitting Im- image of of somebody with autism, and yeah. 
it is like if that's intentional that's pretty cool because i think it's represented in a really like respectful and like yeah thoughtful I... way I would love it if that was the case uh, because I definitely read into it that way. But I also don't quite, I don't trust like that, you know? Yeah, yeah no, I that's understand. Fair. That's um, fair. I, I think maybe the author intent was more to do a deconstruction of the burning heart, uh, hot-blooded, type leader kind character. of bad like the deconstruction of like like you look at him and you think oh that's a badass and like yeah, yeah he does badass things but he's not like he's not like fucking hot-blooded and over the top and screaming all the time or anything he's actually yeah. subdued and like cares and everything and like He's a rather quiet person, all things considered, yeah. but, like, when shit goes down, if you make him mad, you will be crossified. Yeah. One might one might think, just from purely looking from a visual, you might think he's more like, I don't know, someone like Kamina from Gurren Laga. Yeah. But he's the exact opposite of Kamina. Yeah. Because uh, the, 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 the scene that really hit that for me that that made me draw that conclusion um was the one where it, it's like someone's talking and i think it's steven who's saying this isn't a good idea oh klaus has already made up his mind and klaus is just standing there with his fist clenched he's got flames burning behind him and he's like i'm gonna do this i'm determined and it, that that's very much the you know the hot-blooded and uh, protagonist character trait in a quiet way it's internal yeah yeah you can see in he has an internal monologue going that we never get to hear and you can hear the rousing yeah, determined sure. speech almost something like that yeah, yeah. Whew, I, right. I would like it much more if it was he was written to be autistic i would like that a lot more uh yeah well but like i don't i i that. I definitely understand. I definitely wouldn't trust like that either. But going on my own intuition, going on my own feelings with things, that's how I feel about Klaus and like how he's handled and how it it is handled. And if it it comes out like that and that's how it is, then that's just really cool. If it isn't, then fuck it. Headcanon's yeah. going to be a headcanon and I feel like it's going to yeah. be valid one way or another. Let me um, let me just clarify something. Hmm. The Klaus being on the spectrum is the narrative I choose to believe. Yeah. It's not what I would consider the meta of it, the situation, though. Yeah, I don't think that it's, like, supposed to be, like... Like, it's something that can hardcore be read into him and everything but it's yeah, not like interpreted it's not something that is um intentional like, yeah properly intentional potentially yeah. or if it is intentional then it's not something that is like 
like super intrinsic to his his character in a way it's just a, a facet of him if that is yeah. the case yeah but I, i'm leaving it on the table one way or the other until proven otherwise fair enough i think i i know you want to wrap this up kai and i, I but i oh I, oh no go ahead you guys go ahead i just i just don't have much more to say okay. at all i have just one more thing and i'm sure brad will have a rebuttal uh because that's the nature of conversation um i i think it might be a case of that like the the you know that that fallacy of you know like there didn't used to be autistic people but that's not true because we just didn't understand that these character traits or symptoms were you know, this or that or whatever, yeah. you know? Um, we used to call people berserkers, but they probably had some sort of maybe bipolar or schizophrenia or some sort of, like, multiple personality situation. Yeah. Um, it might just be the author saw these traits, these individual traits, as admirable. And they and just happen to coincide with symptoms or that's like not attributes. Right attributes associated with being on the spectrum. Hmm. That, yeah, no, I can agree with that. Um, yeah. No, I, I I agree. It's like it's it's super open to interpretation until yes. like proven otherwise, as how it typically goes. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. you and I both choose to read it like this and i think that it's a very valid reading reading and i think that it's one that like is informed by his overall character and his actions and the things that he like is passionate about because like he like obviously fucking chess is a special interest to him yeah obviously he's going to have a fun time on the the train it's like fuck we're like one step away from him stimming god yeah. damn like that's that's like the whole the whole thing is like it if if that is not the case then you know what whatever but i'm gonna i'm gonna rock what i feel and that's yeah that's how how i'm how i'm choosing to deal with it yeah i i that's how i choose to believe it too because i genuinely think that makes him not only it, it does it not only explains character traits and attributes, but it also somehow like it, it almost I almost feel like it improves him a little bit, having just that signifier in some ways. I feel like it does too. Like it it makes it it just I don't know. There's like something about that that would make him make a lot of sense and also be like like i hate i don't hate to to be like this at all actually but like it'd be really good representation if that was the case yeah and that's just something that i would hope for more than anything is for it to be the case that way yeah i i think particularly why i want it to be true is i've never I've never been diagnosed, but I've had a, a lot of people suggest, like, 
I mean, like medical professionals suggest that I might be on the spectrum. And I see a lot of similar character traits in myself from Klaus, not to like his extreme good extents, but some of them to actually my detriment. But I, I just, I, I kind of like it from that perspective. And mm -hmm. I can understand that too, because like I, I have been like lightly, but not like officially diagnosed with, uh, like suggested that I have ADHD, and yeah, I was I, I was I was officially diagnosed with same. it when I was in school. I I was diagnosed with it like a few months before I finished up a community college. <laughs> like it's yeah, I was diagnosed with it early high school. I think. Yeah, that's just how it fucking be. But like it, it would be really impactful. I think, and it's something that like I it mean it would mean a whole lot it would like explain a whole lot and it would inform a whole lot yeah. and like that's just kind of it at the end of the day it's like we can read into it what we want to and like the way that it is handled feels respectful and feels like something that is like a good trait to him like it is good Good. It's just a, a good thing. All things, all, all around. Good representation is important. Yeah. Um. Do you have anything? We didn't really get to talk too much about the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, I. It rule. It, I just want. I all I have to say is that it rules. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, both. Uh, that's all I got to say about it. Both Hello World and uh, Beers, uh, Sugar Song to Bitter Step are. Both in my like driving playlist. Mm. Uh, also, also all, all the insert songs and incidental music fucking bad. All of the all of the music uh, outside of the opening and ending, uh, the opening being done by Bump of Chicken and the ending being done by uh, Unison Square Garden, um, were done by a composer named uh, Taisei uh, Iwasaki. And this dude's a fucking madman. Mm. Like, he's so good. Yeah. It's, like, ridiculous, the, like, things that he does with everything. Um, Catch Me If You Can from the second episode. Yes. Is yeah. the best. Oh, it's rules every um, song in the show fucking kicks ass it does i have an i have a lot of the the soundtrack on spotify and i listen to it like fairly often yeah and it's mm -hmm. just like it it feels so good and it hits the like aesthetic and the area so very much it, it because has... it is it is like R and B, it's yeah. jazz in gonna... New York City. Yeah, it just makes fucking sense. And in season two, it gets better because they add like hip hop and rap to oh, hell the yeah. Hell, the hell yeah the overall uh like 
accompaniment there, which is like, fuck, that's even more New York City. It, it, mm-hmm. it encapsulates the scenery and the area so much. It makes scenes so much more poignant. Um, all of the tracks, well, no, there's like one that's purely in Japanese, but pretty much all of the other tracks are uh, sung in English. Um, yeah. And that sets it apart as well. And it's all original compositions. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it, it's so good. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the overall sound design is also very nice, especially when it comes to um, sound effects when they want to be impactful and more than anything, the like spine chilling sound when any of the characters do their super attacks, where it's just kind of like fucking huge text just being impounded onto the screen. Yeah. Like it's banging real on a com- door and then like slammed down all at once. Yeah. Real, real common writer zero one. Yeah, <laughs> but they they did it first. Zero one fucking you know snatched I, their style. I know, but that's immediately what I kept thinking it was common writer zero one. It's uh, it's so good. It's so fucking good. And, it, it's it's just a it's just a really good series. And I gotta say. Sure, Song to Beerstep is single-handedly the best anime ending of all time. It is, isn't it? <laughs> it's it, like, it's it's so good. It fits the characters to a T. It is lively. The animation is fantastic, and like every time that you look at it, especially in the point where like everybody is dancing all together, you can yeah. notice new things about like each of the characters doing something that is also in character as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, okay. So there is a theory within, not a theory. It, it, it's, it, it's a writing technique within television that is used to expand our understanding of characters within a series. And it's called a bottle episode. Uh, it's usually a, it's an episode of a show that's usually done like right after or right before sweeps week. So they can limit the budget so they could put more money into the big, uh, story driven, like going right before mid season break or the season finale. So they can get a little bit more character, maybe set something up for the big important episode and then pour a lot of money into that episode. Mm. Uh, I'm going somewhere with this. Just hold on. Yeah, no, do you think? Um, and those bottle episodes are usually like um, the best example. Y'all watch Mash? I've watched no, a couple. First... I've watched a, a a handful of episodes of Mash. Okay, uh, that 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 that's not gonna work then. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a good example of a bottle episode. Isn't aren't there episodes of TNG that could be described as that? Yeah, but I, I don't know TNG well enough uh, to pull fair. out the bottle episodes. Uh, I know there's a really good one of Community, and it's real like early on in like the second season, I think. But mm. 
I know Kai hasn't watched Community, so I can't use no. that. Uh, I don't need to give an example. Uh, but it's usually used to develop characters or to teach you more about what a character is at its core. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we don't get episode... Earlier in the episode, I said I walked away from every episode of Kekai Sensei feeling like I learned something new about a character. And that's true. I, I do feel that way. Hmm. Um, but there was no, like, real, like, dedicated character development episode because those... That's just the whole series. The whole series yeah. is dedicated character development. But you really only learn, like, real important things from that. I feel like the ending teaches you more about the little things about each character. Yeah. And it, it, it is a bottle episode that we rewatch every week. We watch this episode, this show. Um. I can I can fully agree with that. Because, like, it puts everything together onto like a a neat little like one minute and 35 second like mash of like character development in small ways be it the way that they they dance dance or or how they react to being partnered with someone for a dance. Or the fact that, like, when KK is drunk, she gets, like, she can't stop herself from laughing obnoxiously. Or, yes. like, the uh, patty cakes with uh, clothes, claws, fucking yeah. clothes and, and uh, Leo in, in that. Adorable. Like, it's just all, all those things together, and then, like, the fucking middle of the, the song hits, and, like, everything is, like, all fun and games and, and like, goofy, and they're dancing and having fun, and then, like, fucking serious hits. And yeah. Leo is crying, and, like, uh, White is hurting herself or hurting something, and... Uh, that is also the dichotomy between, like, white as a character in general. Um, and, like, we're seeing discordance and, and misery, and then fucking, uh, Femt and Aligula are the ones that bring us back back into uh the fun times because they're such weirdo foils to like anything being normal for a long yeah. amount of time yeah um it's just like it and also like um my I think my favorite thing in the opening is, um, well, not the opening, the ending is, uh, Leo 
kneeling down and offering a dance to her sister who isn't there in the wheelchair. Yeah. Ugh! God! Physically hurts. It's... It's just... It's fucking... It's fucking art! (laughs) It... Right. It handles itself... Where's that... Where's that... Fucking that Jeff... The Jeff from... Of Dean from... Iron Giant Arts. <laughs> it, it, it handles itself so well and so respectfully and treats its characters like gold and like they're like even the new ones that are anime specific get treated so well. And like yeah. I, I think the only thing that I can really put against the series at all is that like in the last two episodes things get kind of weird and shaky as far as the plot goes because yeah i think they i think they had more that they wanted to do but they kind of had to rush it a bit yeah yeah which is a shame i i would have liked for more to come from like white and black and their relationship and the things that are going on and everything but like even with that kind of like shakiness it's still like everything's put together so well it ends so impactfully it has such a good balance and care for its characters and like more than anything it ends and it's like if there was never another season of it i would have been disappointed and i was at the time because i was almost certain that it wasn't going to get one yeah um like i would have been disappointed in a way but i would have also been really satisfied because like i watched that series a good amount of times even before the sequel and it impacted me the same way those times too it fucking ruined my heart and made me laugh and made me like nervous all at the same points every single time and it goes to show how good the series really is at gripping you and making you feel the things it wants you to feel and making you understand these characters and where they're coming from and using tears in a way that is like impactful and like what a amazing job done by bones here like not only in terms of like their pacing and the things that they were doing with the brand new characters but also they were animating out of their fucking dome pieces they there's some animation bits in this that are so ridiculous and like just fucking chef kiss that like i i can't put them in like a proper tier list or anything like that because they're just so good this series means 
the world to me. And it's because of like how much love and care and everything would put into it from the bottom up. Hmm. All right. I, I honestly, that... I, I, I do have more to say about it, but that so perfectly wraps up. Wrap, wraps, yeah, wraps yeah. everything up, yeah. Like, it, it would lessen it to talk about it more. <laughs> yeah, uh, and honestly, I don't really have anything else to say, personally. I, I have, you know, like, some trite, uh, things to say specifically going back to the uh, the anime and the end credit sequence and then also just the nature of how it ended um, mm -hmm. but they're trite so let's not uh, <laughs> um, so yeah that's it for Kekai Sensen I think Ooh. Uh, we're going to take one more short break and when we get back we're going to close this out we'll see you then Now back to our show. Help. Welcome back for the last time to this episode of Acme Podcast Incorporated. Uh, we're going to close this bitch out now. Uh, I don't know why I said that like that. I've never said it like that before. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like that sometimes. Yeah, I, I've never shied away from cursing on the show. I think it's fucking stupid to shy away from cursing. Uh, that's why every episode has a little E for explicit. Uh, yeah, or for everyone, <laughs> if say, you're not a coward, yeah. go on, yeah. say say fuck, do it. I I've literally like my first word was fuck, like I, I'm not joking. I, I use fuck as a thinking word. Yeah, I've cursed my whole life. I can't not. I probably said <laughs> fuck more in this episode than has been said in this entire series, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, probably. I say you said, fuck you said, a lot. I also say fuck a lot because again, I use it like a thinking word. Yeah. Fuck. Did you go fucking fucking? Uh... Yeah. I. Yeah. Like I, when I started working, I started like actively measuring it back, but all I did was replacement words. Yeah, I I mm. I actively have a way to just shut it off and like not say a fuck word, but like. If I'm if I don't have a reason to not say fuck, I will just say fuck. I yeah, will say yeah. shit. I will say damn. I will say whatever the hell that I want. Yeah, I, I because it's like fucking, it's it's just a fucking cuss word. Yeah, it's like I literally it's not can't a big deal. Off, yeah, it's it's not. I can't no. I can't turn it off though. I so I end up using the word futzing a lot when I'm at work. You know what? Something okay. I don't want to get too far off topic or anything as we're mm -hmm. closing this out. But I actively don't understand why we shy away from kids saying cuss words. 
because they're just going to say cuss words when they're older. Or they'll just yeah. say when when parents aren't around because we parents are teachers. Exactly. Yeah, I said I said cuss words all the fucking time. And it was just because like if an adult heard me, then well I'd get in trouble for it, even though they cussed all the time. And it's like what exactly what, what? My parents Yeah, I don't know. Man. Despite my mother being a conservative, they they had a pretty liberal approach when it came to cursing. And it was literally just, if you're not cursing at us and you're not doing it around teachers or your rabbi or someone who can get you in trouble, it's a-okay. Yeah. Uh, so, Brad, yeah. where can go? Where can people go to see you say fuck? Oh, they can see me say fuck in a lot of places all named the same thing. Uh, I am a streamer on twitch and also on a lot of other social medias i do a lot of things and you can find me pretty much all the time at things named radical apollo and that is r-a-d-i-c-a-l-a-p-o-l-l-o and you can find me there from Twitch TV slash Radical Apollo. You can find me on Tumblr at radicalapollo.tumblr. You can find me on Twitter as well. If you go to Twitter and you do things on the Twitter at Radical Apollo. I also have a Discord where I do a lot of cool things, and I'm also planning on doing a uh, semi-regular stream of a uh, series called Inazuma 11. Uh, oh, God! Which is about super-powered soccer. And it's oh, dumb. It's the dumbest. It's also one of it my is. favorite things ever. So, oh. if you are in earshot, and you have any... Oh, you can also find me, because it's kind of important, I'm going to be posting there again, because I'm, I fucking should, and everything. You can find me on YouTube at uh, uh, RadPlays, or RadPlaysHQ, and also at my other YouTube, um, Radical Apollo. Rad Plays is for my uh, Let's Plays and Stream archives, and Radical Apollo is more for, like, uh, general videos and essays and whatnot. Though I haven't done a whole ton of them. I haven't done a ton of uh, essays before. But one I did do was uh, to help get people into Common uh, Rider, which is one of my uh, big special interests slash favorite things in the world so that was my first introduction to you as a person was that video which is wild um yeah because i mean well it was because people who i knew were mutuals on tumblr followed you and of course they reblogged that when it came out so and that was how i found you and here we are now here we are now we're good good friends we are good friends yeah um, and that's that's I, but that's that's, every, that's all the places. That's I'm pretty sure just about all the places where you can find me. Um, hit me up mm -hmm. on those places and I'll love you. 
Alrighty. I think our first interaction was... I think I posted a picture of a... Uh... Oh, I forgot the wrestler's name. Uh, the the Bo Leave guy. Oh, fucking... fucking uh, Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas, yeah. I posted a picture of a Bray Bo Dray Wyatt's Dallas. weird brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I posted a picture of uh, a Bo Dallas uh, action figure I put up. And in the background... And he had his fist up in the air, and in the background, I had like an old Hulk toy, and his fist was also re uh, lifted in the air. And I think it was either that you commented on that photo, or you commented on my little—I had like a little collection of Grimlock action figures on my desk, uh, just on permanent display there. And I think you complimented that collection. I I Me think Grimlock. I do remember um both those. I was I do remember like especially at that time like very early on uh I was like I was a huge mark for Bo Dallas. Yeah. Um because he fucking ruled and now he's not on TV fucking ever. So yeah. um yeah. It's it's like yeah, that was definitely a a very me thing to do at the time and also I <laughs> love Grimlock, so yeah, it's not. Too, I love Grimlock too. Not too surprising if that was also the case. It's probably yeah. it's probably not unlikely that I I went through your blog at some point because I saw that and was like, oh, this person likes toys a whole lot. I also like toys a whole lot. I should fucking do some social interactions. Yeah, yeah. It, it was either that yeah. or you might have been the one who got me into trans. Uh, Transformers Prime. I was uh, doing a live vlog of Transformers Prime for a little bit. Um, yeah, that reminds me when we were when we do Transformers, I need to ask my friend Aaron because, oh boy, yeah, she liked Transformers. Yeah. But anyway, uh, where can yeah. they find you? Where they can find you, Laser? Yeah, y'all. Uh, well, you go. You go next. Uh, I oh, like yeah, to, sure. I like to close uh, it out. Oh yeah, because you also got to do the show, yeah. right? Yeah, yes, yes. Um, if you want to find me, you can find also find me on Tumblr and on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Tumblr at Kaiju Emperor, Kaiju Dash Emperor, K A I J U A E M P E R O R. That's Kaiju Dash Emperor, and you can also find me on Twitter at Kaiju underscore Emperor, spelled the same way. And uh, you can also I mainly just reblog and retweet stuff there, you know, art and stuff like that. But if you want anything original from me, I do have a side blog on Tumblr called uh, Kai's Tome, K-A-I-S-T-O-M-E, and that's where I post a lot of my um, D&D homebrew things, like I make magic items, and I make uh, homebrew subclasses, and stuff like that. And that's where you can find me. Okay. Uh, I may not be the most uh, vociferous uh member of this show uh i i like to let people like to take a back seat and uh let other people talk because i often find other people are better at articulating themselves than i am hmm. uh but i am the host of this show so i like to you are i like to close it out uh and yeah that's fair yeah i like to i like to open things and i like to close things that's Mm -hmm. I do 
Yeah. That's just proper manners. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is. You are the host of the show. Yeah. So please, where can, yeah. where can these lovely people find you, Lazar? Y'all can find me on Twitter at, at, uh, at Ghibli Ghibli. That's at J-I-B-B-L-Y, J-I-B-B-L-Y. That is a Homestar Runner reference. Uh, and it's what I've basically built my brand around. <laughs> Uh, it's better than me. I built my brand around a shitty fucking Homestuck reference. <laughs> not even a shitty, yep. not like actually a Homestuck reference. A reference to my OC character that mm -hmm. I used to roleplay that was just myself, but in the Homestuck universe. Because I'm trash. <laughs> God. I'm the trash hey, man. Boy. I eat trash. I'm the trash. I'm the trash man. Go on stage and eat trash. And I throw it all around the ring, and then I eat it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love Danny DeVito. Uh, I love Danny DeVito, too. Um, yeah. I, I got to say, I actually, after becoming friends with you, I kind of had to rebrand a little, because I, at one point, did go by the Radical Honcho. You, like, hmm. there's, there's a number of people that I... Uh, like, there's... Somebody else that is, uh, yeah, uh, Cooper, right? Cooper, uh, no, that's no. um, Cooper is, is just Cooper dial, dial, okay. um, no, uh, Rad Roller, Rad Roller, that's who oh, is, Rad, uh, Rad Roller, Rad who is also a super cool person, yeah. um, and it's like, yeah, I just, I, I know a lot of people that have like Rad in their names, and it's like, nah, that's. Like more than anything, that's like fucking brotherhood, dog. I yeah. I I fucks with anybody that has rads in their name and isn't a piece of shit turf motherfucker. Get the fuck out of here, trans rights, bitch. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Like um, that's the whole thing is that like, fucking if you're if you're part of the fucking radical hive, you're part of the radical hive, and you know what's up. Ah, the radical. Yeah. See, I would have called it the rad pack. The Rad, the Rad Pack is is fine, but like you need to have the whole radical in there. Yeah. And it's like yeah. And Radical Paticle doesn't do good. Radical Packicle is nothing. So like Radical Paddock. It's, it's gotta be the fucking Radical Hive. So the, the stable of Radical. State like it is stable of it is my stable of boys and girls and otherwise who all love the word radical and think that the Ninja Turtles fucking rule and hate terse. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So Yeah. Later. Uh so you can find me on Twitter at, at J I B B L Y J I B B L Y. I might be changing that back to Radical Honcho though, somehow. I Oh I always oh. I, I don't know. I just it's a good name, dog. It's a good name, Ghibli Ghibli. I also miss your Tumblr handle, Laser Light Show. Yeah. It, Radical Honcho was the... the Going back to GTA real quick. In GTA, you can uh, you create crews, which is like the guild system. And the first one I made that no one ever fucking joined, but it was called the Radical Honchos. And, and then I just sort of started running with it because I liked that, but... It's again. It's yeah. a good yeah. name. Fucking run might, with it, dog. Chase your bliss. Yeah. Uh, Follow your bliss. But yeah, uh, y'all can find me on Twitter at, at Ghibli Ghibli and keep an eye out for the radical honchos. Uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you again next time. Where will be? Oh, wait, wait, laser. 
What? Don't forget to follow the plug the show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, if you have questions, concerns, comments, or uh, suggestions, you can catch us at Acme Podcasts Incorp Ac- Acme Podcasts Inc. at gmail.com. Read me back that email. That's Acme Podcasts Inc. at gmail.com. That is Acme Podcast Inc. at gmail.com. And you know what? While we got y'all here, let's just take a quick look see at that email. Nothing. And there's a whole lot of nothing. But I'm going Dark. to actively change that by promising that if you have a question for me as well, I will come back onto this podcast and answer that question specifically and then leave again. But I will answer yeah. your question if you have a question for me about Kekai Sensen or Dorohidoro or Common Rider or whatever. video games or whatever you have. I will come and guest star on this podcast again because I love you. All right. Where else can they find? Uh, They can also find us on Twitter at Podcasts Inc. Uh, Yep. And where can they find us on Tumblr, bud? They can find us on Tumblr at acmepodcast.tumblr.com. That's acmepodcast.tumblr.com. The ass box is open. It is always as open. And you can also listen to us. Not If you're listening to the RSS, you can also listen to us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Yep. Uh, that's it for this episode. You can catch us again here in two weeks, where we'll be talking about uh, some space fantasy. Uh, to, just to round out Fantasy Month. Because that, yeah. we, we, we're in some contention about what what constitutes space fantasy and what what we should watch but we'll figure that out or or sci-fi fantasy we're 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 debating sci-fi you want space fan you want space space fantasy is well but you know anyway sci-fi fantasy is an oxymoron i guess because okay here's the definition here's my definition of it there's science fantasy and there's science fiction. They're okay. That's what I meant. Yeah. Science fantasy. Um, science fantasy. Science. Yes. Yeah, science. Fa- the, the major difference is easiest analogy is Star Trek and Star Wars. Star Trek yeah. will explain to you how warp drives work. There is science techno babble to explain it. Star Wars. The force. Well, hold on. Okay. Well, specifically. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars up to 1983, or yeah, up to 1999. We don't yeah. talk about Metaclorians. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars will say, there's hyperdrives. How do they work? They make you go fast. Okay. Yeah. Science fantasy, like all fantasy, like all fantasy, it is contingent on just accepting that this works. Magic full resolve. Yeah. It's magic. I don't have to explain shit. Yeah. God. Fuck that guy. But I specifically don't want to do science fantasy because science fantasy often takes place either in an urban fantasy setting or in a post-apocalyptic setting or in a medieval setting. It, it doesn't necessarily 
we've done high fantasy, we've done you know medieval fantasy, and now we've done urban fantasy. I want to do future fantasy. Fair enough. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway, that that's for next time. Uh, I'm leaving that all in because I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and as always, here's our great old sign out. Don't be a jackass. See you next time. Bye. Don't be a jackass. Over there? I guess. Ba, ba, ba,